You're good. I'm good? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to clap one more time. Okay. Okay. Hey, Laura. Hi, Elena. We're here today in my boyfriend's fake music studio. Actually, he'd be very it bad. Is not called fake. It fake. It's this not fake. Legit. You're right. You're right. It's real. Uh, uh, last episode, we were in my bed recording on my iPhone. So yeah. this is a big step up for us. We got some feedback on our sound quality uh, and the fact that we were in bed with my cats and dogs. We were down to be in my bed today. In fact, that was our initial plan. We just want to be cozy. We're cozy in here now. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a little bit more serious. Laura brought her favorite blankets. They are not a sponsor, but Barefoot's Dream. Oh, God. Dream Dream sponsor. Yeah. Barefoot Dreams. It's the worst, worst name, I got to say. That's probably not good for trying to get a sponsorship. Yeah. Bad name. We love you, Barefoot Dreams, but But maybe change your name. A foot in anything to do with something cozy doesn't sound so cozy. Doesn't sound great, but they're the coziest blankets ever. So we have those, even though we decided not to be in my bed because Michael put together a really great setup for us here in his little studio office space. So hopefully the sound is indeed better. And Laura brought over really good smoothies um, from a spot in Los Feliz that we both love called the Punch Bowl. Yeah, the Punch Bowl. Shout out the Punch Bowl. They're great. There was little British girl in there when I went who did not like anything from the punch bowl. She said, oh uh, what did she say? She said, this is disgusting. I can't do a British Was she accent. saying that like as she was drinking her smoothie? Yes. About her smoothie? Yes. And so the barista, what do you call smoothie? Yeah, barista, I think. Barista, smoothie, barista. Yeah. Could hear. Yeah, it was super rude. Wow. And they're delicious. She's wrong. Yeah, they're so delicious. So, yeah. That's where that's just to orient just you to set in, the stage in, of yeah, where we are. Yeah. What we're doing today. On this fine Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh so you might be wondering, do I need to watch this movie beforehand? You know, before yeah, uh, the movie. Watch. Oh, we're covering a movie. Oh yeah, we are. <laughs> we did say that we would, but we didn't tell you which one. It's yes. called The Bone Collector. Um, and you might be wondering if you need to watch it beforehand. And the answer is only if you want to. If you have not seen the movie already, I'm guessing that you We're not going to watch it several decades later without a prompt. So you can choose to live vicariously through our retelling of the movie, or you can watch it ahead of time so that you could be on the exact same page as us. Uh, We'll make sure to give you a sneak peek of what's coming up next at the end of each episode so that you know if you do want to watch. At the end of the day, I promise 90s thrillers are all pretty much the same, but not completely. So please keep listening to us. Yes, definitely. They each have their own little special je ne sais quoi. So, yes. Yes. And Laura, please tell us what was going on in 1999. Oh, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. So this was quite a year. We are not going to cover everything from 1999 because we're going to cover other movies that came out in 1999. Sure. So we will get into, oh my God, so much. But we would be remiss not to mention Y2K. So the year before 2000. And everyone was freaking out that Y2K would ruin computers. In addition to a million other things about it becoming 2000 instead of 1999. um, That was the big thing. Yes. I remember this time so well. I don't know if you do too. Oh, yes. But I just remember everyone freaking out. My mom was like just buying water. Like, I don't know. My mom as well. It was like our creepy basement was full of water. Water and canned goods. And we're just waiting at midnight to be like, did they fuck up the computers? And like, like, were you like worried about your zippers because zippers said Y2K and stuff? Like, No. I just remember. Okay, I got to look that up after Is that like a... I don't know. I remember something about like, maybe it was like conspiracy theory stuff with like zippers. I have no idea why I'm saying that. It just came to my brain. So I have to look that up after. Okay, we'll have to look up zippers. Significance. But, yes, so 
there was there was it could have affected a lot of things so banks calculate interest rates and like the year matters of course for that centers of technology such as power plants uh, would be affected transportation depends on correct time and date of course so airlines in particular were at risk everything yeah computers with records of scheduled flights would be threatened like there was no flights in 19 19- hundred no. <laughs> maybe like a few um so yeah so it was set to be a really big deal and I know that there was a lot of work that went into like I can't even imagine being in that space like working in, in computers hardware and software at that time um but in the end there were very few problems thank god but it was this like mass hysteria panic it was horrible all it across was, the world everywhere I've never been just so I feel like everyone was so tuned in yes. exactly what was like honestly there hasn't been something like that until the pandemic yep because it really felt like it was almost like the end of the world. Yeah. Like the end of the world, the end of the world as we We all have to like stay inside and like get our water Mm -hmm. just in case like the computers fuck up the whole world. Yeah. It was super scary. Yeah. So that was going on. There was an infamous hotmail hacking. I didn't know about this, but a group called hackers unite, um, brought to light a major security flaw with Microsoft. So it's widely regarded as one of the largest widespread security incidents in history. It's pretty funny. Uh, an estimated 50 million Hotmail accounts. Um, anyone could log into them with the password eh. What? Like E-H? Or eh. Yeah. Like, like eh? Like Canadian. Okay. E-H. Yeah. Like my um, my initials. Yeah. Oh, true. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even think of didn't that. Didn't even know this. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty crazy. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire premiered. I'm obsessed with Regis Philbin. I loved this show. I loved it. I loved Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I have never, a friend. never seen Who Wants no. to Be a Millionaire. I know. It's because, so fun fact... Or not that fun, but a fact. Not fun for you. Not fun for me, but I grew up without TV. Not to say I didn't have a television. I did, and my mom would just watch Alfred Hitchcock movies on it with me. <laughs> hence um, your interest now. Hence my, my interest now. But uh, I did not watch, like, not cable television. We didn't even have ant- antennas except for when my grandpa would come over for Christmas, and my mom would buy antennas and then take them away after the fact. Oh, my God, get out. Yeah, because she just was like, this isn't worth your time. You shouldn't be watching TV. So there's a lot of things like this in this time period that I did miss out on, but that's why I have Laura to fill me in. Don't worry, I know what Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is. I've just never actually watched it. Okay, wow. I was a big, big fan. I mean, not that I knew any of the questions as – an eight-year-old when but it's premiered, fun to but watch it trivia was stuff. so much fun. Yeah. Um, Apple released the iBook. So the clamshell style laptop, you know, <gasps> you know, the one oh from Legally Blonde. Yes. Oh my gosh. I wanted, wanted it that so, bad. so bad. I had Same. like a huge one that wasn't the like Yeah, laptop the laptop. Yeah. The laptop was sick. The colors so were great. It came in tangerine and blueberry mm-hmm. and it was nicknamed the iMac to go. It was $1,600. Oh, I know, but they were flying off the shelves. So pretty cool. I always wanted one. I never got it. Wow, they really have kept their prices the same. Yeah, they're basically the same. Because the MacBook now is about that much, I know, I think. yeah. So DVDs were just starting to uh, become popular, like overtake VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, the first DVD player did arrive in 1997, but it was $700. So what? by 1999, they they were about 200 So I guess like more of an easy entry point, but still that's really expensive. Like I don't know if that's uh, the average household really had them yet. That's yeah. expensive. 200 bucks? Uh, well, 700. 700 is crazy. 200. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a lot. I would I mean, DVD players now are like 50 bucks. If that. I can't even if I don't that. know. I don't even have one. I wish I did because there's a lot I want to watch. Yeah, we and my MacBook doesn't have one just now. to watch one thing yeah. and it was probably 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So Napster had just launched. Um, oh yeah, the only way to download music and file share songs digitally. It was shut down really quickly in 2001. But at that time, you know, we were downloading our 
Summer Jams, 1999. Yeah. What about Bear Share? Did you use Bear Share? No, I have no idea what Bear Share is. Maybe that was a little bit later. I eventually used Bear Share. Not I used LimeWire, but that Lime was definitely and later. Bear Share were at like the same time. What's Bear? I've never heard of Bear. It's Share. coming to mind. I think it's real. But it's like, we sounds might like Care Google. Bear. I gotta Google it. It's Bear Share. Okay, I swear. I was a LimeWire bitch. Um, <laughs> LimeWire bitch. So Britney Spears posed in her underwear on the Ooh, cover of Rolling Stone re- with a purple Teletubby. I forgot about the purple Teletubby. Oh, I don't remember that. She was holding a purple oh Teletubby. There was okay. a whole different controversy about the purple. Was she wearing the, the pur- black? Like, yep, the okay. bra. And mm-hmm. she was, yeah. We can look at it after. It's like a great cover, but it caused a ton of controversy. Yeah. Cons of controversy. Con- controversy. There we go. Yeah. Um, the first Teen Choice Awards took place. First one ever? The first one ever. The first one where we gave teens a choice award. Yay. Uh, Pokemon cards were like the height oh. of popular. So kids were robbing each other blind. I was actually really into Pokemon. Oh, same. Cards. I had a binder with the clear yes. thing. and you My brother and I. Charizard so for the win. My na- oh, yes. My neighbor, I'm not going to say his name. Okay. Um, he was older than us. And he convinced me to do a really bad trade where I traded a holographic Charizard. No. For like a shit card. And I was so oh upset. Gosh. I still think about like it. It was really rude. I think my mom tried to go talk to his mom and like appeal to her greater parental senses to do a trade back, but she was like pretty like, no, your kid made a bad deal. Oh my gosh, I can just see like I was little so sad. Laura, and it was me and my brother so too. Like I convinced my brother, I think my little brother, like we should do this. And I then, don't know. I was bad. Yeah, and then I had a knowing. really bad outcome. Yeah. Wow. So. I think we got one holographic Charizard in one of those packs because there were like mystery packs, right? Mm-hmm. Where you'd buy yeah, you them didn't know. You wouldn't know. It was um, just and like I remember that being like luck. the best day of our life at that moment. Same holographic cards were so cute, or cool. Not exactly they were cute, cute and cool. They were cute. Pokemon yeah. were very cute. Um, I'm reading something that was cute. So that okay. So SpongeBob. That was what was cute. SpongeBob ah. premiered SpongeBob SquarePants. Still love SpongeBob to this day. But I was like a huge SpongeBob fan. Like I loved SpongeBob. I was not did Yeah. I I didn't have access to it. I still quote SpongeBob to this day. I love the gifs. I love they're great. Well, I say gif. <laughs> Yeah, well, we could have a whole episode we about could. this. The inventor of GIFs says GIF. I know, GIF. I know, but it's like peanut butter. What What do you mean? It's like peanut GIF butter. peanut butter. Oh, it's like J-I-F. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But giraffe. Because what? giraffe. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're both having moments of like, this is how my brain works versus this is how your brain works. <laughs> because giraffe is like G-I-R. I got it. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, moving on. The third book of Harry Potter was released. Oh my gosh, which one was I that? I loved Harry Potter. So there's, what is it? It's, Sor- it's Sorcerer's Chamber of Stone. Secrets. So Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Stone. Chamber, Chamber of Secrets. Secrets. Goblet of Fire? No, that was four. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah, maybe. Prisoner Some of Azkaban. people are going to be mad about this. But yeah. yeah, I was a Harry Potter fan. I went to, did you have a media play? Mm-mm. Media play was like where you could buy DVDs and music and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I went to like an event at media play for the release of, I can't remember what Harry Potter, but it was very exciting. Oh, yeah, I think it was that third one. That's cool. I loved the books. Um, so the movies that premiered in 1999, we had some incredible movies. The Matrix, Fight Club, The Blair Witch Project, and The Sixth Sense. Oh my God. So and then our girl Angie. Yes. She was in Girl Interrupted, which was huge. Came out in 1999 and we both loved and we may cover girl interrupted yeah girl interrupted was my movie of that time period um i guess i probably watched it a few years later but i was very intrigued at the time by mental illness and wanted to know all about it and then i watched that movie i was obsessed with winona Ryder. she was like my girl crush throughout my like early teens yeah you love winona and so i watched every single movie she was in including heather's oh my god yes heather's Heather's probably like 80s 80s yeah 
We might need to make an exception. We might, yeah, because Heather's is great. But Girl Interrupted, that was, I think, my like intro into just being obsessed with Winona, and that's when I went back yeah. and watched all her other movies. Yes. Well, I, lo- I always have loved Angelina Jolie as well, yeah. our problematic queen. Um, but that year, 1999, is also the year that Angie and Billy Bob Thornton oh my God. started dating. So they met on set of a movie called Pushing Tin. I had not heard of. I've not seen it, no. Um, So Billy Bob was almost 20 years older than her. Insane. And he was engaged to Laura Dern. Oh my gosh. So Angelina and Billy Bob got married in 2000 in Vegas. And Laura Dern famously said of the whole ordeal, I left our home to work on a movie. And while I was away, my boyfriend got married and I've never heard from him again. Oh my God. So just That is so Billy Bob. And Angie. And what the hell, Angie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if I if I really reflect on Angie's uh, choices behavior as a significant other, there are questions. Not a fan, <laughs> um, but she, that was a weird time period for her. Weird her time life. period. So this is not at all everything in 1999. No, but if we went through everything, that would be a five-hour podcast in and of its own. So um, those are the facts I'm going to hit you with this for time now. around. Yeah, we'll have another 1999 movie for sure at yeah. this point. Okay, so now I'm going to tell us a little bit about the movie that we're covering this time, The Bone Collector. It was originally released on November 5th, 1999. It was an American crime thriller. It's definitely more of a whodunit. Uh, directed by Philip Noyce and produced by Martin Bregman. Fun fact, Philip Noyce also directed Dead Calm. We did not know that when we picked this no, movie. Yeah. So it is very interesting that that happened to be the movie we picked right after. Uh, the film is based on a book a 1997 crime novel called the bone collector which was written by jeffrey deaver and the plot which i will get into a lot more in a minute uh but the, the high level overview is it takes place in 1998 new york city quadriplegic ex-cop lincoln rhyme who is played by denzel washington is looking forward to his assisted suicide when he gets the news some sicko is abducting people in a taxi and leaving them to die in particularly sadistic ways this is from wikipedia i think <laughs> With time counting down between each abduction and possible death, Rhyme recruits rather unwilling Amelia Donahue, played by Angelina Jolie, who is haunted by her cop father's suicide, and uh, she works with him on working the crime scenes to track down the killer. The Rotten Tomatoes rating is not great. I'm going to tell you up front. It's 28%. So uh, you'll have to decide for yourself after hearing our retelling if you think it's deserved. Yes, and the cast, we're going to get into the cast. So Elena told us uh, Lincoln Rhyme, which is a great name. It's great. Is played by Denzel Washington, Amelia Donaghy, Angelina Jolie. My favorite movie from Denzel Washington from like kind of this time period. I have to look it up actually what actual time it was, but it's Training Day. Training Day was a transformative movie for me. Oh man, I wish it was more of a thriller. I don't know if I'd categorize it technically as like in this genre. No. Um, Is it like a drama? King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me is... One of the best lines from a movie ever. Now I have to and watch And Denzel it. is great. so... F- oh, my God. I mean, obviously, he's a freaking insane star. He's so good. But that movie was... Uh, and Ethan Hawke is in it. So it's it's a oh, Ethan another Hawk one of Denzel Dirty Cop that time period. Uh, movie. It's, it's fantastic. I'll have to watch it. Yes. Um, so we have Queen Latifah as Nurse Thelma, which she's, she's incredible. Michael Rooker as Detective Howard Cheney. And uh, I have Michael Rooker, let's see, he's been in True Detective, Guardians of the Galaxy, he's Merle Dixon in The Walking Dead. I um, know, any of those, did not know. Yeah, I love True Detective, but I didn't specifically recognize him from yeah. it, and I can't recall what season. Um, Mike McGlone as Detective Kenny Solomon, 
uh, he's been in Law and Order SVU, <laughs> the Do episode Unorthodox. Him? Yes. All of my reference points for people are if they've been in Law and Order SVU. Louis Guzman as Detective Eddie Ortiz. He's been in so, so many, many things. things. So many things. But uh, How to Make It in America, Narcos, Traffic, The Limey, just to name a few. Um, Leland Orser as Richard Thompson. Let's see. He has been in 24, which I loved. Loved 24. See. With Keith Sutherland. He's also been in Law and Order SVU, the episode called Coerced. And Everyone has. I know. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a rite of passage for New York actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I Am the Night, which I wanted to watch. That is the uh, Chris Pine movie or show, sorry, on TNT about the Black Dahlia. I can totally see the cover, mm-hmm. but I, right, don't, right. I don't know. I, I know I didn't it. end up watching it. Um, Bobby Cannavale, who I love. Which one's that? Oh, uh, he's Steve, Amelia's boyfriend. Oh he's my only gosh, in the beginning. Okay. I love him. Michael mentioned that he knew him from something. He's in everything. Remember. He's in everything. What is he in? Um, I'm saying he's in everything and I can't think of a single thing. I just watched Jumanji. <laughs> he's oh, in Jumanji, the okay. one with the well, rock. I've seen that. Um, <laughs> the old, or the new Jumanji, sorry, not the old oh, one. Oh, okay. okay. Um, look him up, like Google him and you'll, he's married to Rose Bryan, Bryn, I don't Rose know. Rose Byrne? Rose Byrne. Oh, oh, is that last name? I think so. I, I just say it in my head. Yeah, um, like B-Y-R-N-E-E. Yeah, I don't know. Right, okay. She's great. Yeah, they're married, which so, they're a beautiful couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have Ed O'Neill as Detective Polly Salido. So also Ed is in everything but Modern Family, Married with Children. Not Law and Order. Famously. Um, he's probably, but... He might be in one episode. <laughs> uh, Olivia Berkland as Lindsay Rubin and Gary Swanson as Alan Rubin. I believe uh, they're... No, they're, they're not from the... Oh, I think they're the couple that get... Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't say where we knew them from. I'm sorry. Don't worry. We'll tell you about them. Yes. Um, so that's our cast. And before Elena gets into her retelling of the film, before she walks us through it, we should address something that will continue for us to be, will continue to be important for us to give an upfront warning about in each of our podcasts, probably. Yes. Um, and we didn't go into this in the first episode, so I apologize for that. Uh, a blanket trigger warning. We are going to be covering films from the 90s and early 2000s and we did not have the language and understand understanding that we do now um there's still a long way to go of course but better than this time period to talk about important and sensitive topics um the scope of that insensitivity is quite vast but in this film in particular there's two specific trigger warnings that we should cover the first being suicide and the second being how people that have traumatic spine and or brain injuries are represented so I thought that there was going to be a lot more online about this. I, I searched the bone collector on Twitter thinking there would be like some conversation about it. And there really wasn't. So I'm going to cite shaneclifton.com. I found a really great review of the book by Jeffrey Deaver, the bone collector. But the movie is so close to the book that, that I think it works just as well. Yeah, yeah. his, his um, understanding here is really important. So he's writing from an informed experience perspective himself. And I thought his points were exactly what I was trying to get at here. So I'm going to be reading some verbatim from um, his review of the book, but uh, it's it's really great. Like it's very, very in-depth. So Deaver, which is the author of the book, presumes that death, even by suicide, performed by heroic medical rebels, is potentially better than life as a quadriplegic. Um, and Shane says he has never met someone who is quadriplegic who felt that way, but he has met many able-bodied people who admit to asking themselves the question, would I be better off dead than paralyzed? So that question, again, this is Shane, however, reveals the underlying assumption that the the quadriplegic person is 
essentially no longer fully human, no longer really alive, Hmm. without the potential for joy or the opportunity to contribute. To have that as a major theme of the book centered around this heroic quadriplegic uh, detective does an injustice to the most driven people that make up the spinal cord injury community. And in addition to just the overall theme, there is some language that's used here, both by Denzel himself talking about himself as as Lincoln Rhyme and others mm. referring to him. Yeah. That's very problematic sure. and very offensive. So I'm not sure if it was like already and that was maybe something controversial in the film. I would bet not. I would yeah, bet that I think you would have seen it when you did when you looked it up yeah. if it had been. So I unfortunately it's probably just they did not think to be more sensitive at the time. Yes, yeah. But I think it's important for us to give that caveat and trigger warning up front and kind of have that context as we're working through the movie. So again, it is a spoiler. This entire podcast is a spoiler, but important for us to talk about. Yeah. Thank you because you did assign me this movie. And so I really appreciate that <laughs> you're giving that trigger warning up front and helping me out a little bit as I go through this I movie. I assigned you a doozy of a you movie really for did. the first movie. You gave me a softball and uh-huh. I whipped a 100 pound baseball at you you completely did yes yeah I was watching this last night and I was like oh my god Laura I don't but I'm so sorry no it's it's okay I w- would love to start off with a challenge and honestly I feel like I have the sympathy now from our listeners like they feel they feel bad for me hopefully. yeah yes yeah um but no I had a lot of fun watching compared this to dead calm where I had three characters and I know. two I was like, there's scenes. no way I'm going to remember all these names. And I am, I'm, I have to apologize up front that I'm going to go back and forth probably between calling the actors by their names. Um, I will do my best to uh, slash it with like, slash it sounds very thrillery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like Angelina slash Amelia. They have, that's a very similar name. Her character name is almost her actual name. So yeah. I'll do my best. It's hard. I was doing that all throughout the last episode too. It's, it's hard not to switch back and forth. So we get it. Yeah. Okay. Take us through it. Here okay, we go. Here we go. So just a little disclaimer, because there are so, 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 so many themes, um, themes, not themes, scenes, scenes and characters uh, in this movie, I uh, don't want to, you know, completely beat a dead horse with the plot taking you through every single detail. But what I'm thinking of doing is I'm going to really be detailed on act one. Uh, I will take you through every detail. And then for act two and three, I might get a little bit lazier and just sort of, you know, there are some general patterns that you will see that come up and so I might gloss over a couple things but don't worry we will not we will not let you miss anything that's super exciting and important no you're going to be able to be there with us yes you'll feel it not seen it already okay so the opening credits start to roll and it's a montage of what at first kind of just appears to be random black and white forensics images and skeletons things like that and at first I'm like okay this is telling me like it's a 90s crime thriller makes sense but then I realized that the montage is actually giving us some clues and kind of acting as exposition and like a prologue of sorts, which I probably wouldn't have noticed if I weren't writing down these notes. So, for example, there's a newspaper article about a cop who got convicted for placing false evidence on crime scenes. So that comes up. Uh, And then there's also a picture. I didn't see that. Right? Great note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a picture of uh, Denzel Washington or um, his character Lincoln Rhyme standing with a friend at a black tie event toasting like the fancy dude he is so we're kind of seeing that like he's out in the limelight he's Mm -hmm. obviously like probably kind of a big deal yeah this is giving us this is doing the background work for the movie these little clips all right yep so okay i'm going to start by giving you a visual of the opening act so we are in new york city 
There are helicopters and police cars. This is not that, that different from the opening of it's Dead like Calm. It's like present day 1998. Yes, I think present day yeah. 1998. Helicopters, police cars. Uh, Denzel is going into a crime scene. And at this point, he is, um, he is definitely able to walk. He's going towards the back of a cave or something. It's very tight. It's hard to tell. Yeah. yeah, it's like very claustrophobic spot. And then he sees a dead body. It's our first dead body. Yeah. <laughs> very quickly within <laughs> first like the, the first movie. 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a bloody hand. And then you see the, the body's face and there's a bullet in its head, I think. And then cue the classic 90s slow-mo. The slow-mo as, is crazy. It's crazy. It's so bad. As Denzel takes his flashlight and like looks up towards... It's like a tunnel. It's like an opening at the, yeah. it's like a long, tall, he's very, he's at the bottom of a huge, you know, kind of cement tube sort yeah, of Yeah, like a tube. Yeah. And then we hear this creaking noise and people are yelling for him to watch out. And oh my God, now there's a like giant metal beam tumbling mm-hmm. down the hole or tunnel, whatever, towards him. And it's most certainly going hit, to hit him and then the scene ends. Yeah. So we don't actually see what happens. It's very confusing too because... I'm sure you probably have this note, but when he looks at the dead body, he sees his own face. You didn't see that? I, of all the things I noticed, <laughs> I didn't see that. I probably was looking at my computer. Okay, I need to watch it again. Maybe I'm wrong. Wait, he sees his own face? I believe so. That's what made me kind of think it's like a dream sequence, which it is. He's like oh. reflecting. Yeah. So I think he's... he's. Ref- you Okay, you're right. I missed this then. He like turns over the dead body. And then the dead body's face is his. his. His, his, yeah. It's kind of. Like I was a, too concerned with. Well, duh, it's your first time a, watching it. A yeah. Bullet hole. I was like, oh, okay. is, is that a bullet so hole? So you were focused head? on the injury. I didn't even realize it was Denzel. Not himself. the face. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So now he's sweating in a hospital bed, looking really depressed, but not scared or freaked out, which made me think, okay, this has to be quite a while after the incident. And then we kind of, we get introduced to this old, crazy Y2K computer screen. It's like huge, but also small. Oh, yes. This computer is a main character. It's absolutely a main character. Uh, And and from there, we just see that he's watching, sadly, as the screen turns from 5.58 a.m. to 5.59 a.m. So he probably is used to doing this a lot by now. Yeah, Um, being woken up by these flashbacks yeah Yeah. no that makes total sense now to me it wasn't a flashback it was like that happened yeah but now this makes sense okay so that was a flashback and again denzel washington's character's name is lincoln rhyme from there we are then taken away over to our first real victims of the murder of this film uh we're at the what i assume is the jfk airport maybe it's LaGuardia, but probably jfk (laughs) and there is this white rich couple maybe in their 40s ish um and the wife is beautiful and has blonde hair and actually she did kind of remind me of like a laura laura linney or yeah Dern she's type. of that time very yes, like for sure elegant so elegant and like graceful short like bob sort of yeah. shoulder length bob yeah yes she definitely looks like she's well off and the husband is kind of like almost kind of like a michael douglas type at the yep, time totally um, and he's mad because their personal driver did not show up to pick them up and they go out onto the street to catch a cab and he says i'm going to fire that son of a bitch so we know he's kind of a wealthy douche so they decide <laughs> to take that cab instead uh and then they're kind of driving down the streets of new york and the husband falls asleep on the ride through manhattan while the wife is very awake and alert and what are their names again Oh, let me go back up to our cast. That's rude of us that we don't. Even I know. haven't even named them yet. It's because at the time we didn't know their names. So Lindsay and Alan Rubin. Yes, Lindsay and Alan Rubin. Okay. So yes, so Alan has fallen asleep. 
Lindsay is awake and alert and she notices that the driver is going in the wrong direction. So she wakes her husband up and she's like, what the fuck? She doesn't say that, but something like that. Why are we going the wrong way? And her husband is like, I said Fifth Avenue, man. But the driver does not respond or does not care at all. And then they're starting to get very distressed. So Alan keeps yelling at the driver with no luck. He starts trying to open the car door, which seems very risky in New York, but I understand he's scared. Um, so he tries to unlock the door and there's a blade in place yes. of the lock. I hadn't, I, I, I remember this. Yeah. Very scary. This is a really scary scene. Like, so scary. It's super scary. You can feel their, I think it's good acting. You can feel their terror. You can feel their panic. Yeah. That, that lock being like a thing that cuts him is scary. It's, yes, it's crazy. It's like a blade It's a super well done, like stressful scene. Yeah. Honestly, I want to say that it might be the scariest scene in the whole movie. Yeah. I found it really, like you could really feel how scary that would be. I was thinking of like. I've taken a, a yeah, taxi totally. and been picked up before from that airport. Yeah. And I know that's done kind of again and again in other things, but, but this is still, it's, it's, it's for a reason. It's classically scary. Yeah. And just imagining, like I really cringed when I saw the blade, like oh, yeah. poke him in the finger. Mm-hmm. And I was just imagining what that would feel like. Yep. And that was bad. So we cut to the next scene, which I just wanted to say that I introduced in my notes as Queen Latifah wants to give Denzel juice, but he wants vodka. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. There's more to the scene than that, but that's, that's the, that was the big takeaway yeah. at, the, at the moment for me. Um, but yes, we're back with Denzel slash Lincoln Rhyme and Queen Latifah, uh, whose name is Thelma in the movie, is suddenly there and turns out that she's a living nurse. So Denzel's hospital bed is actually set up at home because I, you know, we start to see the fancy exposed brick in his living room. He's probably in like a really nice brownstone. An absolutely beautiful brownstone. Yeah. And it's clear that he makes a lot of money or he made a lot of money as a forensics investigator. Um, So now that I'm positive that like, okay, a lot of time has passed since his accident, his, he's friends with all the medical staff and he's talking to Queen Latifah about how he wants her to put vodka in the little tube that um, feeds him through a straw instead of his juice. So QL, Queen Latifah or Thelma, is not having his jokes. And now there's some just general talk about how he needs a new heart monitor or something like that. And it sounds very important. Um, This is the point of the film where they bring up something that I can tell is going to be like symbolism for the rest of the movie. Uh, One of the medical people, the doctors, the nurses, whoever is there, I think refers to a peregrine falcon that's sitting outside on the windowsill. And what do they say at that time? It's actually really problematic. Okay, tell me more. I don't. I don't know if it's. I have it written down because I put yikes. Um, I think it's Denzel who said the bird likes cripples, which is oh my the goodness. first usage of a very problematic yeah. term. They've said they, that they do say use it again a few, a few times. Yeah. So that's how it's introduced, which is upsetting. Okay. So I know you asked, you mentioned before, like, how is it introduced? And I couldn't remember. And then I had no, that note. So yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, that's how it's introduced. Not in the best way. Um, but this is just sort of like um, a, alluding to this being kind of an important figure, almost a character in the rest of the movie. So Denzel makes the vodka joke a lot in this scene. He keeps bringing up the vodka. Uh, I think they're trying to hit us over the head with the fact that he's not happy with his life now. This is further enforced when uh, Queen Latifah walks away and Denzel starts talking to his doctor friend, Richard, about how he doesn't want to become a vegetable after one of his seizures and he would really like to make that end-of-life transition on his own terms because it's becoming clear that any one of the seizures that he has regularly could turn him into, as he calls it, quote-unquote, a vegetable. He very easily persuades his doctor friend to help him end it. It's too easy. Yeah, too easy. 
And Richard says, well, I can't do it today. Yeah. Just very Next casually. weekend or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he says, it'll Sunday. have to... It'll have to have have to happen after he comes back from a trip. LOL is what I wrote, which will be on Sunday. So now we know that Denzel probably has until Sunday to solve. Oh, I love whatever, a countdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, murder, cab crime. He's gonna get brought into. Um, and by the way, Queen Latifah is listening to all of this from the other room, just like shaking her head with disapproval because she's <laughs> she's not happy with this little decision. Not little. It's a big decision. Um, and then Richard tells Denzel who. Um, is Lincoln Rhyme, that he will see him soon. And then Rhyme thanks Richard for being a good friend. Yeah. And we should, I know you talked about his his setup being in his apartment and it being a nice brownstone. This is like the nicest brownstone. It's very like nice. The windows being arched, the bookcases, because we find out, you know, he's an author himself. Yep. And it's gorgeous. Like his setup. It's a dream home. Is Yeah. It's really beautiful. The kitchen. This is one of our main... Like, we keep going back to, of yeah. course, this scene. So, for me, even though it, it feels unrealistic that, <laughs> that this setup could be there in a home at that time with the Y2K computer attached to his yes. bed and that sort of thing, I love it. I love this it's setting. Great. It's super cozy. It's a great backdrop for, like, it, it's atmospheric for our... Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, atmospheric. Yeah, yeah for the, it is. For the movie. I love it. Yeah, and I think, like, the brownstone, I'll, we'll, we'll keep referring it to it that way, so you know we're back in the brownstone, and that's where his setup is, and it's very lovely, as Laura said. It's I, I would I would be very happy if I had that as my house. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, okay, so switch to Angelina Jolie. We see her for the first time. She's sipping coffee in a silk robe, which is kind of like another 90s trend. Yeah, you're right. We had that we in the last one, too. We have one for Nicole Kidman as well in Dead Calm. She's looking out a window kind of like pensively at the city. She has a really nice view as well um, with her big pillowy lips. My boyfriend, Michael, <laughs> said that this is the inciting incident, and I roll my eyes at him because it's not, it's not the incident, um, which I learned that the inciting incident is like what happens in a movie that triggers – the characters to come together and like solve whatever it is. Oh, okay. That's I not thought exactly, you were saying but... the lips were like the thing that has kicked off the trend of, and I was like, yeah, I think that's actually oh, correct. Yeah. But, I mean, her okay, lips got did. It. Yeah. They are pretty <laughs> great. Um, but he was just making a joke about like, this is the, this yeah. is a big part of the movie where everything happens. And I was like, no, it's just, she's looking out the window. It's our intro. It's our intro. Um, and we can see that there's a dude sleeping in her bed uh, and there's some black boots and cop equipment on the floor and i think we're supposed to think it's his because sexism oh you're right they like focus on it too long and then he wakes up and they have this little exchange where she says that she couldn't sleep and he wants her to come back to bed and he tries to take her robe off but she's not having it and she says she has to get ready for work and then when she gets out of the shower he asks her if she wants him to make her breakfast and she says no and then he makes this snarky comment Another slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, huh? <laughs> My therapist tells me I might not be getting what I need out of this relationship. I love this. It was the best. I loved it. And Bonnie, but this is Bobby Cannavale. Okay, so yeah. this is the guy mm-hmm. who's been in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and so Angelina tells him she cares about him, but they've already gone over this and she cannot make more of a commitment. So what I felt about this scene was that it was trying really hard to tell the audience that the gender roles are reversed here. Yes. She's the pensive, hardworking cop, and he's the needy boyfriend that she can't commit to. Yep. Because Angelina is an independent woman who doesn't need no No man. man. Yeah. Don't need no man. And then this is further reinforced as the scene changes. They're back on the streets of New York. Um, Angelina, I'm going to start calling her by her movie name, which is Amelia, right? Yeah. Amelia is getting a smoked sausage from a cart, which love looked amazing. Love it. Same. I knew you would like it. I was like, oh my God, I we want love that We love a smoked right sausage <laughs> with peppers and onions. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Uh, and 
she's with like her cop friends or her partners and she gets called to a crime scene under some subway train tracks which I later questioned myself and was like was she under the subway or was she on top of it because I don't she does know. stop a train she stops a train but she's near she's near some train tracks so fast forward to a scene where the train tracks are and Amelia is surveying the scene we see this taxi cab we assume it's presumably the stabby lock cab and there's a scared kid in front of it scared and scary honestly i first wrote creepy and then yeah. i was like should i call this kid creepy? oh i have he's it creepy right really creepy kid okay he's creepy him. and angelina i'm sorry amelia asks him if he's the one who called the police he nods weirdly and points towards an area of like rubble uh, or gravel and she runs over and finds a freaking hand sticking out of the <laughs> ground with a chopped finger yep. and a wedding ring like barely hanging on to the chopped finger. Mm-hmm. And now she starts digging and we see his face and can confirm it's the husband from the cab. And yes, he was kind of a dick, but he did not deserve this. No, he did not. So we start to hear a train coming. Angelina sees that there's like this weird iron bolt on the train tracks, um, which I don't know if she thinks is evidence at this time or if she just thinks the bolt is going to fuck up the train i wasn't sure but she throws herself in front of the moving train and tries to tell the conductor to stop and of course he does just in the nick of time but he's mad when she tells him to shut off the engine and then she tells him there was a homicide this is evidence so uh she gives the little kid money and asks him to go buy a cheapo cardboard camera yeah like a disposable camera okay i was wondering when she said cardboard like i know kind of weird like a disposable camera yeah. i used to love getting those and then I would take pictures and then I would like to go to like CVS and they would have to develop the film yeah and it's so take, embarrassing like, yeah. but like that crank 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 noise yes like, yeah solidify or I remember yeah that so well yeah uh so she gives that kid money and he goes and buys her a camera because she says she wants to take pictures of the evidence um and I think what we're supposed to note here is that she's like paying really close attention to details she puts a dollar bill next to the footprint in the gravel for a size reference so we're like okay she's clearly getting high marks for attention to detail and then cut to the next scene, and oh my god, the wife is alive. Um, her name is Lindsay, as a reminder. She's handcuffed to a pole of sorts in some sort of, like, dank underground place with lots of equipment. She's got duct tape over her mouth. And now, this is the point where I was like, okay, I'm invested in this movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't know prior to that what my investment level was, and I was here. And we finally get to see, like, a glimpse of the murderer's face. There's another slow-mo scene here. He's yes. wearing a freaking ski mask. And we can see that he has, like, these piercing blue eyes yep um and that's that's our first introduction to him yeah the slow-mo is is just so bad but it's really bad and i feel like it was such a weird device that like i don't know agreed it wasn't needed, was it needed? and it almost felt like something was wrong with my tv when yeah. it was happening because it, it felt actually so wasn't obvious enough. no it was especially it was definitely slowed down too. but it was yeah you anyone that has seen any movie in from this time period is familiar exactly with what, what we're talking, talking about. about yeah yeah so this is where we kind of cut back and forth a few times. Um, Angelina is back at the crime scene with her cop friends and partners. She's saying she found some strange stuff on the tracks and took pictures of it. Here's where we're introduced to one of the biggest douches in the movie. He, he's Captain Howie Cheney, and I keep accidentally calling him Dick Cheney, <laughs> but then realize it's not an accident because he is a dick. Ah. Um, <laughs> who gives Amelia a ton of shit. So he asks her if she's a rookie. And when she says no, he tells her she's pretty dumb for getting in front of the train. I like quoted pretty dumb because that's exactly what he says for getting in front of the train and like maybe tampering with evidence. And she looks really sad and defeated. Like she looks yeah. pretty worn down after that. And that's where um, Denzel and Angelina's path 
across. Like this is how they end up meeting. So Denzel is playing chess on his Y2K computer by using voice command, which I thought was like kind of fancy for that yeah. time period. I have a note that like I love out- tech that's outdated now, but at that time like didn't exist or was really advanced. I yeah. love it in movies. It's so funny to see now. I know. I was kind of like, I wouldn't mind playing chess in that mm-hmm. way. That sounds cool. You don't have to pick up the pieces. You just have it all on your screen. Uh, and then there are like a bunch of, forens- or no, there's two forensic detective guys that come in named Detective Polly and Detective Kenny. They come to his house and they ask him if he's heard about the taxicab murder of Alan Rubin and his wife. It's now clear that uh, Alan Rubin and his wife are well known. They call him Mr. Rebuild New York himself. So we know kind of like, okay, this guy isn't just some rich guy. He's like a rich guy that everybody knows. Okay. So he's kind of a big deal. And then uh, the detectives tell him that um, Alan Rubin's finger was like skin to the bone. And they're kind of like... Yeah, going over the details, and they clearly want Denzel slash Rhyme to help with the case, but he is resistant, of course, at the mm-hmm. time, and says, like, no, it's a ransom, it's an open-shut case, the wife is probably still alive somewhere, um, they don't need his help, they can do it themselves. Uh, and this is when we also learn that Denzel himself, or not Denzel himself, Denzel slash Rhyme has written books and is seemingly a hero in the, like, police officer forensics world. Yep. So that's an interesting thing to learn about him. Then they try to show him pictures that Angelina slash Amelia took of the physical evidence on the Y2K screen. He's not interested, but then he starts to have a seizure. So we actually see him having a seizure in this scene, which is terrifying. It's like... It is, yeah. He's gasping for air. um, And he's asking Thelma slash Queen Latifah for help. And she comes to save him. And she tells the detectives, get the fuck out. And she keeps telling it to them. And they're kind of like... They transfixed. Do, yeah. they, do, they just keep watching. They do not move soon fast enough. It's no. Like, yeah. And then he sees the peregrine falcon, which yep. at the time I thought was a pigeon <laughs> on the window ledge. And I, I was think, like, oh no. it's. it's I kept the, calling it an incorrect bird too. It's an, it's an important falcon. Yeah. My notes go back and forth. Uh, and so he sees that um, kind of looking in at him from the window ledge. And he doesn't die, of course. When he wakes up, he sees the evidence on the screen that the cops left behind And then he tries to convince Thelma to help him die, and she is not interested again. Um, Now, Denzel slash Rhyme's interest seems to be piqued finally by the evidence, and he looks more closely at it. And he tells us that there is a couple pieces of evidence here. There's an iron bolt, a newspaper that reads 4 p.m., and a piece of torn book paper with 119 on it, um, which is when I started to feel like I was in an escape room. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. (laughs) Now I have to keep track of all of these clues. Yeah. This is probably the only time I'm going to tell you about all the clues because later on, it's kind of like just repetitive. Like, What do they call those? They call them like like bundles or clusters. They call them clusters, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Like like a funny term for the little I thought the same thing, but I didn't write it down, and Mm -hmm. I wish I had. Yeah. Well, you remembered it. Cluster. Cluster, but I feel like it had some other... No, you're right. Is it just cluster? Yeah. Um... Okay, so then we cut back to Ange slash Amelia, and she's in some sort of cop class that seems to actually be pretty rookie level. Yeah, they're Um, doing like a dare thing. Yeah, and so then it's kind of like, okay, she's part of like some like youth services Mm -hmm. kind of cop-ness. I also have a note here that Angelina Jolie is so beautiful that she really cannot play normal civilian roles. She just can't. Her face. Her face is just so insanely gorgeous. It's sculpted from marble. Michael and said the same thing. He was she, like, what she, You can't just have her there. And, like, I did have a note earlier that I forgot to say. She looks so good in a bulletproof vest. Like, this oh my God, woman was born to wear that. She looked so good she in that. She looks insane. So good. I realized that she just looks really good in roles where she's, like, playing these, like, 
Like, for example, in, like, Tomb Raider. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking of, too. she just looks good in those get-ups. She does, yeah. But, she, I mean, like, a rookie cop, Angelina Jolie. No, no. This person is the most beautiful person you've ever no. seen. Which, later on... Yes, 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 yes. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, she's in this, like, dare class. Like, something where she's learning things. Um, and then she's, like, rudely interrupted and taken out of class by Detective Kenny and she's mad he brings her to lincoln rhyme and she's not impressed at all nope with him no she Um, gives such sass she okay so this is my note denzel slash rhyme is now asking her if she's read his books he clearly wants compliments Mm -hmm. she says that she has but she does not grovel to him or give him the pleasure of saying his books were good in fact i think she says they're just okay Mm -hmm. or like yeah they're like everything else She's very noncommittal about her rating of his books. He tells her that she has a natural instinct for forensics and that he was impressed uh, by her photos of the evidence and he thinks the crime was staged and he wants her help because he can't walk. Which this is so funny to me. The crime was staged. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. Obviously obviously staged. Like, there's all these, like, little, yeah. Like, (laughs) there's, like, a ripped piece of paper that says the date. There's a 119. Like, there's your cluster. Of course it's staged. It's the cluster. They've got his hand sticking out with a wedding ring. Yeah. I don't know. That line was was just funny to me. Like, I think it's staged. It's like, yeah, I think so. She's like, okay, I didn't even need to be a forensic investigator (laughs) to know that, and neither did the audience. Um, So she says, so Ange says that she's not interested, basically, in solving this crime. That's not her area. And so she's she's giving a lot of sass, and he asks her, are you being modest, or are you scared to do some actual police work? He makes a comment about her being in the youth services division. So this is where we kind of figure out, like, what her area is. And then she really goes off on him. She tells him that he loves the sound of his own voice. Um, she's actually very argumentative with him in comparison with, like, her not really defending herself at all to Dick Cheney. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, so that was – I definitely noted that. It was interesting. And then – now all the cops and investigators are in Denzel's house. Queen Latifah and Angelina are both looking really fierce. Um, and then we enter Eddie, who's played by the guy that's in everything, Louis Guzman. Guzman. Yeah. And he's in a baseball cap. And I think he makes fun of New Jersey, which I appreciate. He does. Yeah, that was, <laughs> was funny. Like, that's the best. Yeah. And then he and Denzel slash Rhyme have this kind of gross moment where they bond over Angelina's hotness. Like, oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. That he's like, oh, wow. And then like Denzel gives him a look like, I know. Oh, which boy. annoyed me. I said it's pretty annoying that Denzel is complimenting Angelina's intelligence, but he's also clearly harping on it for her looks. Yeah. Um, like I think he's already a bit obsessed with her. Okay. And then Dick Cheney arrives. It's not, it's not really Dick Cheney. <laughs> it's Howie Cheney, but he's a dick. Um, and I said, reminder, this is the captain, not actually Dick Cheney. Uh, he's being rude and telling Denzel that Angelina did not find crucial evidence. He also tells him... Um, he tells Denzel, like, please keep me in the loop at all times, which Denzel seems to agree with, kind of just to pacify him so we know, like, this guy is important. And then my boyfriend, Michael, now says he thinks that Cheney is the murderer because he wants to be kept in the loop at all times. And he's like, does he have blue eyes? And he's starting to wonder. Because you're, at this point in the movie, you're starting to, like, feel like, okay, is it someone that we know in mm-hmm. the room? And I was like, I don't think it's him. That's, like, way too obvious. And he's, like, a cop. Not to say that that would be. No, I think he's right, though. That's, like, supposed to be... Like kind of the the feeling that you're getting at this time because you're just unsure like mm-hmm. who and he has blue eyes bad. so that's the only clue that we have at the moment yeah he's white and has blue eyes exactly and then eddie lewis's character um i love this line it was very 90s diss look who forgot their chill pill this morning which i wrote <laughs> down because i was like that's such a 90s diss there's another one coming up that i loved i wrote down another Ooh. diss okay let me know if i don't if i don't okay um, bring it up so at this point i think rhyme is like concerned about asbestos um 
and they're looking at black and white photos of asbestos sites and I feel like they're kind of connecting the dots about like where the um, wife might have been taken mm-hmm. that she's where she's being held hostage potentially by um, the bone collector which we'll just start calling him the bone collector yeah now. so okay so they cut to the scene where I guess at this point um, Ange has agreed to go ahead and help with this investigation, but begrudgingly. I think she's told by one of the other officers, like, this would be, like, really a bad move for your career if you didn't go do this. So mm-hmm. she, she decides to go do it. And so then she's with her two, like, main buddy cop officers. And um, they're kind of making fun of her at the time and saying that she can be a little grating. And if she were any more wound up, you'd be a Timex. Yep, that's the line. That's the the burn that I thought was... Very 90s and kind of funny. It was very 90s. I also thought it was a little bit, like, just sexist. Oh, it like, is. For sure. You can totally. do a little grading. Yeah. But, yeah, totally on par with the time period. Mm-hmm. And then she's driving kind of crazy. She is. Uh, and they're a little scared to the building where Rhyme thinks the wife is. And so then we are in, like, a steam junction. It's, like, back underground with the wife, who is extremely scared. It's kind of hard to tell, like, what's been done to her so far, but, like, we can tell that she's got, like, blood on her. Uh, the killer is kind of walking around her and, like, coming closer to her. And so then I'm nervous that he's going to kill her right then. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I felt. And then she screams so loud, and her scream turns into sirens. It's like they, like, do oh. this little pivot thing. This is where Denzel kind of takes this new um, – he becomes this, like, figure for Ange as she's, like – Walking into the crime scene, he starts like giving her notes. Yeah, she becomes his proxy, basically. Yes, of like a the crime proxy scene and almost like a protege. Like he's like trying to kind of like have her. It's almost like he's kind of becoming like a father figure in a way. I feel like he's like walking her through things. Yeah, a mentor. Yeah, like a mentor. Um, so I get the sense that he's going to do this for the rest of the movie, and that that makes sense. I think that's like an interesting way to kind of connect them yeah, throughout the course agreed. of the movie. And he tells her it's her job to assess the crime scene, but not to save Mrs. Rubin. And uh, Angelina hears Mrs. Rubin crying through this, like, big wall thing. And they're talking about getting, like, a drill and a tap in order to get in. And, of course, Ange is upset. She wants to save her. She's probably not thinking about the evidence at this point. And they're all being very loud, which I, I kind of wondered, like, are they being too loud for, like, a murderer that might kill her at any second? I don't know. Yeah, this is confusing. Are they worried about him still being there or right. what's going on? And then they're like, Mrs. Rubin, we can hear you. Don't worry. We're going to be right there. And I was like, don't say that. Yeah. Like, what if Overpromising. Still there? And also, yeah, is and the then, murderer there? Yeah. Um, so then there's steam hissing. Mm-hmm. And so we hear this steam and it's getting louder. And they realize that they're not going to get to her in time. And Mrs. Rubin is screaming. And this part is like really sad. It's really sad. It's also really 90s where you have no idea what's happening and it's not really explained. But there's kind of just hissing and steam and pipes and walls and like just chaos. But it's not really clear why they can't. Like I feel that's how I felt. Like, yes. Like, why can't you just like what's it's just kind of like the classic like we can't. Like, we're not really going to get into like the specifics. Yeah. Like, just just know that there's pipes and steam and yeah, we can't do anything. Yeah, it did feel like that. I felt like they were just standing there and I wanted to be Agreed. like, come on, do something. But I guess they didn't have like what they needed in time. Um, and then we see sort of like this ominous view of the street above and then all the potholes start bursting open with mm-hmm. crazy steam, mm-hmm. which you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's got to be painful. Like she definitely got scalded. Yeah. 
And all the detectives and police officers in theme with this, like, revelation are quiet, and they look very sad, and they say something about how the whole place was scalded in steam. Mm -hmm. And they have to call, or they have to tell Denzel on the phone that Mrs. Rubin is gone. So, now, Denzel slash Rhyme wants Ange slash Amelia to go into the crime scene to get evidence. He tells her he's with her every step of the way. And it is weird that, like, he's already taken this role so heavily with her. It's kind of like, it makes sense that he's living vicariously through her, but I also felt like he was definitely, like, almost becoming a father figure. I can't remember if we said she's wearing a headset, and so that's Mm -hmm. how they're communicating. Oh, yes. She's wearing a headset. Yeah. And he's talking to her through the headset as they go through it. Which happens throughout the film. Um, And so she's looking for evidence with a flashlight in the steam place underground. She sees Mrs. Rubin from afar and gasps and is upset, of course. We don't really get, like, a really close look at what Mrs. Rubin looks like at this yeah. point, but she is definitely scalded and does not look good. We don't see her face. No, we don't see we a lot. Just see we her know, arms. Yeah, it was kind of hard to tell what we were looking at, but we definitely, it looks painful. Right. It looks like, burned. that's all I wanted to, like, that's all I could note was, like, it just doesn't look good. No. And there's But not it is hard detail. to tell. It's kind yeah. of dark and, yeah. So we learned that the steam pipe was open and she was tied right in front of it. So oh she was God. like, oh my God, this sounds like the most painful death. Ugh, like yeah. I would have rather been her husband with my arm. And like, we don't even really know how he died, but yeah. No, we don't. Like we just assume maybe he got stabbed or I don't know. Maybe I'm just <laughs> making, making up things. Death assumptions. Yeah. But, yeah, but assumptions. this one is ouch, ouch, ouch. Painful. Yes. Very painful. And basically then Denzel tells Angelina not to be emotional. <laughs> And just to look cool. for evidence. So cool. It's like, While you're cool. staring at a woman that's just been burned, for yes. sure. Yes. Like, why would you not be emotional? So then Ange finds a bloody bone. This is important to note. Denzel is now asking this youth services division cop Here we to go. examine the horrible body and describe the restraints, which she's not happy about. So she says, there's a piece of flesh missing from her arm right down to the bone. Hmm. And now Denzel <laughs> wants her oh, to no, saw no, no, no. her hands off at the wrist. He just says it like, okay. We need to spend a minute on this. Yes, let's please spend a minute on it. This is insane. I that's what I have. I have that too. I think we have the same note. I have sawing off the hands. This is insane. This does not make sense. Nope. Especially for her experience. She's not a hand sawer. She's not even a person that does this. This is so insane to me. I don't know how. It's so. It's funny because it's. It's funny because it's so bad. And also, okay, we should we should say that when he's telling her multiple times, "You got us off the hands. You got us off the hands." Now he's saying this right because he thinks that there's cuffs on. Or sorry, there's fingerprints on the cuffs that are. Yes, and he needs the cuffs. He needs the cuffs, and if they try to get the cuffs off, with her hand still still there, it will distort the prints. They won't have the prints. They'll tamper with the evidence. Um, I've got to think. There's got to be a way to get those cuffs off without sawing off her hands hands without having angelina saw off her hands also is she allowed to do that no that's what i think was so like procedure wise to me someone like she's you know there's got to be like an official actual crime scene investigator it's not just lincoln rhyme for the whole new york city no there would be someone with like a metal cutter that could like cut the 100 that wouldn't need Ange to be the one that was doing that by sawing off hands i can't talk about this enough it's crazy it's bad and uh, <laughs> oh wait and everyone's listening like it's a podcast because uh queen latifah's listening oh yeah to him say it yep um uh dick slash dick cheney what's his name what's his real name harold howie howard howie cheney yeah yeah he's listening in his office and yep. you probably have this but he's kind of like 
oh, I knew she couldn't do it. Yeah, he's totally. I knew she couldn't saw off the hands. Which it's like, you didn't even want her to touch He's kind of nodding like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like, I knew okay. this all along. I knew you weren't going to be tough enough. Which is crazy. It's also crazy because he, in real life, like, wouldn't be wanting her to do that right no, now. No, He didn't of want course her to not. do the first thing. That he didn't want her to get in front of a train. And it's, who is she? She's just a police person who is in the youth services division. Uh, <laughs> but then she's like, she says, she, she does says, say, no, fuck you. Fuck you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's never been more warranted. Yeah. Um, and she said, if he wants her hands cut, if you want her hands cut off, you can come down here and do it yourself. Which is, you know, she's being rude there. Yeah, she is. Um, but also at the same time, like what the actual fuck? And Queen Latifah, like you said, I have this note. She's kind of just like watching Denzel. Like she doesn't think he's crazy. Like it's almost kind of like everyone's kind of just listening. Yeah, they're listening like it's a chill podcast. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's happening? Next? I knew it. I knew she wasn't going to be able to saw those hands. So, okay, moving on. We're outside Amelia's house, and this is where we see a scene of the cab. And I forgot to mention at the beginning that the reason we can know it's the cab is because there's like this hangman thing hanging yeah, from... Yeah, it's from his rear view mirror. It's like there's a little, um, you know, dangly... Hangman. Yeah, yeah. And so we see that there's... That he's outside of her house. Yeah, the... The, the killer. The killer. So this What's is... What's his name? The bone collector. The bone collector. <laughs> the bone collector is outside of Amelia slash Angelina Jolie's house. Um, It's raining. We're... I'm worried that she's in raining. trouble. Yeah. Of course it's raining. Um, she goes inside. She's obviously upset because she just experienced something extremely traumatic. Uh, she's washing her hands a bunch and she's like crying on the black. Oh, this is another kind of like, you know, scrubbing with bleach sort of thing. Yeah. She's using the bleach. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, it's understandable that she's crying on the floor. It is, but it's such, it's it's one of those kind of like scenes. It's very dramatic. Yeah. And to to represent, oh, she's so upset. She's washing her hands with bleach. She's scrubbing. She's laying on the bathroom floor. She is. They're really spelling it it out for us. Yeah. She is upset. She's an emotional theme of the movie. Yeah. They they really try to spell everything out for you as if you're not smart. Yeah. You, the audience cannot tell she's upset by this unless she is scrubbing her hands with bleach and laying on the bathroom floor. And now she's drinking drinking. with her, which is also understandable. But like, again, just feels like they're really trying to like beat, beat us over the head with it. And then she starts looking at a photo of what presumably are her parents, which I think it's the first time that we're like, oh, she has parents. Of course she does. But we see her dad and her mom in this picture. Yeah. Very bad photoshopping. I did not notice that. I think it's her and her dad. I don't know. Oh, is it her and her dad? Okay, Michael that, thought that too. And I was like, no, that's her mom. But it's such bad photoshopping, so you may have been confused because it doesn't even look like her. It's supposed to be it her younger It doesn't look like thing. her. Okay. okay. It's kind of like right. just a head photoshopped on a little. When he's listening to this, he'll be very happy about that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> There's this scene where they kind of like go back to Denzel in his, in his like hospital bed. And he's actually just looking at her history and records and he's finding that her dad was okay i do remember this scene because you know that he was upset at her at the time because Mm -hmm. he was like you didn't didn't cut off the hands hands." but he's actually probably just trying to figure out like why why she's upset i don't know yeah you're right that's kind of funny he's like hmm what would make you not want to saw off these hands why are you so upset yes and then he's like oh okay so then we find out that her dad um was was deceased from suicide and his body was found by Amelia. Yeah. Which is really so tragic. upsetting That's and very sad. Horrible. Um, and then they go back to the picture just to make it really clear. Like they go it's right a- back to Angelina on the couch with the picture and she's sad. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, thank you. We, we, we made these connections. And then someone's knocking and I'm like, oh my God, the killer's at the door. Same. 
and she's she's got a buzz definitely from the from whatever she was drinking and she opens the goddamn door which oh, i was yeah. like why the would she do that infuri- and then she unlocks it yes she undoes the deadbolt she does she doesn't even like take time and the she chain just, thing. she goes yeah. right out and looks out in the hallway and i was like yeah she's oh kind of like walking around i was like you used to be really attentive to details and i know now, now she's like hello Who and i was either? like you must have been drunk i don't know yeah um I said she walks outside into her New York hallway, no attention to detail, long duster bathrobe. She has a bathrobe again. This one's kind of more of like a duster vibe, like mm-hmm. it could be worn outside. I thought her hair looked good. It did. All of this. I her, her hair looked really good. Yeah. It's like a short haircut, kind of wavy. And I then, like it. yeah, it almost looked like she had like curlers in or something, mm-hmm. but it was really it was pretty. Cute. Now she's got her gun, and it was Detective Kenny Solomon. So she says, like, Solomon, what the hell? I don't know. She doesn't say that, but he's outside her window. He says that her phone was dead. And that was why he had to come over. And then in my head, I was like, wait, is this the murderer? Yep. Like, I also think you're supposed to kind of think that. You're yeah. supposed to be suspecting everyone. Of course. They don't do a great job at this, but it is kind of like their attempt at like, hey, would he be really creeping around? And he comes in through her window. He does. That's the Which really weird Which is so silly. Thing. Yeah. Because that's sort of like, I think they're trying to get you to think that for sure there's something weird going on with this guy. Yeah. Which kind of is in theme with what he does for the rest of this uh, scene. He... Looks like he's like spying through pictures. Yeah, he rifles um, through her stuff. He's like going through her stuff, um, and like through pictures of her dad. And then we see this like back to school model ad. Mm-hmm. So Angelina was a model. Yes, they give her this because I mean I think that's their way to explain away like yes Why we know this so person attractive. is absolutely gorgeous. She has a tragic backstory of you know with her father the history with her father and so that's what's made her have a change of career from model to beat cop. Yes. There's also a picture that says me and dad, in case you weren't sure. Yes. I'm telling and you. And Sharpie. They're just like, you are beating to. you over the head with it. Yeah. In case you didn't know, it's me and dad. And I was a model. Yep. Yeah. And she has super straight hair. It's like a very 90s, 90s look. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of doing like, like you said, I think it's back to school, like a little back to school look. Yeah. And she's like, oh, so dismissive of it. Oh yeah. I was a model. And then now we transfer to a bar. With pool, with a pool table. I can't stop laughing at this bar scene. Oh my gosh, the bar scene was crazy, and it was actually giving me PTSD from my horrible pool performance. Oh yeah, you just played pool. Yeah, I played pool. I was really bad at it. So when I saw this, I was like, "Why am I being reminded of this?" (laughs) That's funny. You're right. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Did you catch the foot massage? Yes, I said the bar bar has people, (laughs) someone rubbing a girl's foot. Yes, making out. Weird. Very '90s outfits. Weird little screens. Like Mm -hmm. we're on. It feels like we're on drugs watching this bar scene. It's very weird. It's a weird bar scene. I kind of like it, feels it like but someone it was who like, hasn't been to a bar was like, what happens in a bar? And it was like, <laughs> people rub people's foot feet. Foot massage, pool, where they're sitting on the pool table. Yes. Very sexy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, weird, like, video arcade sort of mm-hmm. things throughout It's almost the like the weird, it feels like a brainwashing thing. Like, it feels like there's little, like, yeah, there, screens of, like. I think that like, was maybe supposed to mean something, but I have not, I couldn't. I haven't, yeah, looked that up. There were so many things. The foot massage was, was the, the best really part. Thing. I actually had to pause it and be like, wait, how What's did this happening? happen? And yeah. rewind and be like, oh no. It's I'm glad really... you picked up on that too because I was, what? I, I, still, was like, I remembered that like I hadn't watched it for a really long time and just watched it more recently so that I would be, you know, aware, like remember things. And I was like, oh, the foot massage is coming up. I will never forget that foot massage because it's just like so out of place. Yeah. And funny. So... We follow some guy, like we're kind of landing on this specific guy in the bar, um, and he said he's going to go get a cab, and the girls he's with say that they're just going to hang out, and they'll be there in a minute. Uh, and so he goes outside and gets in a taxi, and I was like, oh no, he's the next victim. 
So we know that that's probably going to be the next victim of the bone collector. Um, Denzel and Amelia finally meet again after their very tense conversation on the phone. And Denzel says, glad you could join us. Almost like she threw a temper tantrum. Oh, I didn't catch that. You're right. Yeah, he was like, glad you could join us. Um, He says that she did a good job at locating evidence. And he says, maybe asking her to cut off a hand was too much to handle, which (laughs) I had to make that joke. But yeah, he was like, maybe that was too much to handle. Um, And he asks why she wants to throw away her career just to be a cop for youth defenders. And she was like, that's personal. That's none of your business. And then he brings up her father. And she's like, oh, you want to go there? Like, she's upset. And he goes into this spiel talking about how his parents were not well read. And then he brags about how he's read thousands of books and written dozens. And she asks him what his point is. And I was wondering the same thing. And his loose, like, lame connection is that we don't need to be our parents. And he says, she's a great cop and could be a great detective. And then she starts crying. And this is where their relationship shifts. And she suddenly seems to be, like, really appreciative of him. Mm -hmm. And, like, very, like, not mad. Even though he asked her to saw off someone's hand. And this, like, change in attitude came really quickly, I felt. Like, it was like she was mad. Their relationship doesn't make sense, I don't feel. It really doesn't. And they, like you said, it's kind of, the script is not super strong. And so... Yeah. There's these really like clunky devices of showing us the everything, but like this for this example, the and it change was very, in the relationships. Yeah. I felt like there was like something missing in between. Yeah. Um, I said, it seems a bit fast after he just asked her to cut off some lady's hand. That, that would, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be quite right. Um, he tells her that she has a gift and not to throw it away. She nods while crying. Now she's on good terms with him because of the destiny speech and the parents analogy he gave her seems like they're kind of friends now so uh we're back to victim two the taxi driver of course tied him up and duct taped his mouth um and i noted that he had a really great denim jacket that was very 90s he slices off a piece of his arm which i think we see it during this scene we actually see the bone collector slicing a piece of his arm and now i'm wondering like is this killer a surgeon or a medical person that's like right in front of our faces just because oh that's also a good sort of observation the fact that he's using like a scalpel and feels like he needs to take like intricate pieces of bone or something I think that's exactly what you're supposed to think and I did not I was like ouch okay (laughs) that looks horrible and it was horrible yeah uh and then there's this moment okay so again I'm kind of moving on with less detail now because totally fine this is getting repetitive but there is a moment between queen latifah and amelia that happens in a scene after this where they kind of have this like i don't know like girl power moment where they're talking about men and like the metaphor of like rats um oh my gosh they say something about rats who don't shave do you remember this no i don't remember this they're like i'm so glad that you recapped this your notes are fantastic oh i don't i mean i don't even feel like i'm explaining this part right but basically i think what happens is that Denzel and Angelina and Queen Latifah are all kind of like talking about the rats that are in the building or something about rats. And um, it's because there's like a piece of hair or like something that gets shaved off of a rat. So they're talking about like rats and shaving. And then that's when they, they bring up this comment about like, oh yeah, we know some men who are rats or something like that. Anyway, it was like a cute little girl moment, I guess. Wait, who says the rat's hair shaved thing? It's one of the cops this is why i'm not great at detailing things because i don't remember who says that but have we been introduced to the rats yet they i guess we have maybe i jumped too far i I think we missed (laughs) did we miss this 
I think we did. I think we missed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I was like, oh, that's good foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. There are rats around our new victim. Okay. A rat runs down a ramp and jumps in his face with scary teeth. Got it. That part's really funny. Yes. I was like, what the hell? So I'm really defensive of rats. Uh, yeah, they're I always had, made to be. I had pet rats. I don't know if I've told you that before. I feel before. like you did tell me. So, Were they the white ones? Yeah. Yeah. I had Jack and Ellie were my pet rats separately. Aww. We didn't have them together. But they're really, really sweet pets, and I think rats get a bad rap, and they're cute. They are cute. And, and sweet, and they can be smart. The ones that are – I think that anyone who lives in New York City okay, just fine. hates them yes. so much because I do remember when I lived there, they would be huge and fat and juicy, yeah, and they yeah. would crawl across the those subway Those are different. Tracks. I don't really want one of those in a hamster cage in my room, but I did have – I did Rats. save mice when I lived in New York City. I was Aww. very upset by like... Like at the pet store? No, they would be in our apartment. Oh, oh, duh. And then um, I had a roommate that was like, okay, well, we should like get traps or whatever. And I didn't want traps that would kill them. Mm-hmm. And so traps, yeah. one time we had the sticky thing, which yeah. is really bad oh, because it can God. be horrible. It's so horrible. So we caught one on there and then I was like, no, like I cannot let this poor uh, mouse die. And so I was like trying to like slowly, gently like take him off. Oh no, I am, um, I'm scared. Don't worry, he survived. Okay. So like Ugh. I took him down like out into like our little weird East Village back alley mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to like take him off. And then the like superintendent or whatever for our building um came over to me and was like oh let me help you miss and he thought I wanted to like throw the rat away or the the mouse away (laughs) and I was like oh no no I want to save him and he was like oh okay miss and he like started like gently taking him off the paper and then he like let him go and I was like okay Okay. that was a tangent (laughs) okay well yeah we did I mean we went off on a rat tangent but we we did miss the important scene of the rats lunging at us at our victim and it's it's a you know it's a bad editing bad like effects scene of like the teeth getting really big it really is and and it jumps right in his face yeah so that's why we're talking about rats now yes back to okay yes okay so i wrote my notes in the wrong order that's okay so yes so going back to that then they're talking about the rats and that's when they're talking about like men being rats and it's kind of funny okay um so rhyme is starting to get really worked up in the in, in his house in the brownstone and Thelma slash Queen Latifah tells him that he needs to calm down or he's going to have a seizure again. Um, and he tells her to leave him alone. He kind of has a little bit of a breakdown here where he cries and they had told him to knock it off. And he was like, I don't need to knock it off. Um, and then Angelina, you can tell she's starting to like really feel bad for him and feel for him. Um, and so she decides to go with the other cops and actually go um, survey the crime scene. And again, I think I've jumped ahead here because she wouldn't have known about the rats until she had gone oh, that's, to the crime scene. Yeah, I was wondering where the... Okay. So I'm very sorry. Okay. I have mixed these up and I'll probably <laughs> edit this. Um, I remember now why I fucked this whole thing up. Okay. I have to tell you all how I fucked this up. <laughs> okay. Walk us through it. So, okay. So as she's going to the crime scene, and this is how my notes got all messed up, in the middle of watching this, I went to the fridge... And <laughs> I bent down to get a drink from the bottom of the fridge. And then it came up and bumped my head super hard. This is very Elena. On the freezer. Uh-huh. And I like yelled and was like, oh my God, what the hell? Ow. And then Michael gave me a bag of spinach to put on my head, which turned out to be open. Oh my God. This is so, this is literally <laughs> classic Elena. So I came back and sit, sat down on the couch and was like, thank you. I really needed this because like oh my, my, heart, my head hurts really bad. And then I was like, Michael, 
the bag is open. There is spinach all over me. There's frozen spinach all over my hair, down my shirt, everywhere on the couch. So I had to like, while the movie was playing, okay. clean up. Okay. So That's not fair. No. And then I, I can't remember whether or not we went back, but I think I didn't go back far enough. So I see. That's why we're going to have to maybe do a little bit of a do-over for this scene. No, 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 no. We are keeping all of this. Yeah. The spinach was not... Great. And Michael kind of had ignored what was happening. And I was like, you just gave me a bag of spinach that was open. And now I'm having to clean it up and you don't care. And you're just like invested in the movie that I'm supposed to be watching. Yeah. That's why I said it's not fair. Yeah. It wasn't fair. You're right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Angelina, again, she's at the crime scene um, and she finds the body and he's covered in rats and it's super disgusting. They're eating the tape off or they ate the tape off of his mouth. Yeah. Again, rat slander. Because rats don't really eat people. No, they, I think what they're trying to show here is that like the, or they tell us what they're trying to show here is that he had like open wounds because of what the bone collector had done to him. So the blood attracted the rats. So the blood then, yes, of course, attracted the rats. Um, And Angelina has this moment where she shoots a rat. This is so stupid. And he blows up, like just explodes. Again, okay, great job at preserving the crime scene. Yeah. This rat has pieces of your victim in his stomach, but sure. That's very true. I didn't think about that. It's to scare away all the rats so that she can walk up to them. But they're acting like these rats are like, you know, these actually scarier creatures than they are. They're rats. They're not going to eat a... I looked it up because I was like, how often do rats actually eat people? And they... It wasn't I mean, there wasn't like definitive evidence of them never eating a person. (laughs) You're just like a rat defender. I really am. (laughs) Queen of the rats. I am. Queen of the rats. Best title. Yeah. But so... She sh- that's so dumb that she shoots the the one rat that's yeah, on, it's just, like on a pipe it's not even on him so th- that's why she shoots it so that it will like the gunshot will scare yeah but okay wait also you probably have this note it makes the 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 rest of the team that's waiting outside be like shots fired yes and she never clarifies no she's never like don't worry that was a rat she's not a good police officer no I have to say. honestly I'm starting to feel like Dick Cheney Howie Cheney was maybe right. <laughs> At the beginning, because she's like walking in, blowing yeah. up rats. At one time, at one point, uh, Lincoln makes a comment, like an ACAB comment, about cops contaminating crime scenes. Like they're like the number one contaminator of crime scenes, which I love yeah. that comment. But it's like Angie, you just did that. You shot. Yes. Did you forget? You shot a rat. <laughs> shot a rat and destroyed the crime scene, and then also like alerted people incorrectly yeah. as to your. We spent a lot of time on this. I'm sorry. I got really into the rats. The rats are they're a big thing, you know. Um. So then she's on the phone, of course, with Denzel on her headset, and she tells him he was right, because at one point he had said, like, that guy never has a chance. And yeah. she's like, you're right, that guy never has a chance. He cut him up right to the bone and let the rats get him. Um, Angelina is very visibly better this time. She's like, okay. Yep. She says she's fine. And then she kind of talks to her, like, cop buddies and is like, want to step aside so I can walk the grid? And so this is supposed to be, like, okay. a moment for okay. her. Yeah. And you see Denzel smile with satisfaction on the other side of the line. You He's picked like, up on all the things we're supposed to pick up on. You're no. Right. Yep. <laughs> I picked up on none of the actual things that happened in the we movie. We went a little out of order with the rats, but we're back on track. <laughs> we're back. Um, and as he's smiling, Queen Latifah is doing a puzzle and seems impressed with yep. Angelina. Mm-hmm. Um, she's putting the pieces together of the uh, puzzle. <laughs> I feel like they're trying to do something there. You're right. Uh, and then there's another goddamn piece of paper as a clue. The cluster. A cluster and a matchbox. And it's like an escape room again. And I'm sick of the clues. And I said, my brain hurts. And this isn't even smart. So then shitty 
Dick Cheney, Howie Cheney, shows up to the crime scene um, at the, the rat murder location. And he says that he wants Rhyme off the case. He's really mad. Um, and this is where Ange slash Amelia stands up to him. And she basically was like, what are you going to arrest me? And she says some other like cop term that I don't really understand. Um, and he's not happy about it. So then we see that he kind of took her back to his office um, and they're talking and he is kind of trying to catch her with like a fingerprint. Um, he's making it seem like maybe she contaminated the evidence again, uh, even though she was wearing gloves. And he wants to take the, the fingerprints for testing and she feels like he's on the wrong track here. Like she can, you can tell she like looks at the evidence and she's like, he doesn't know what he's doing. So when he looks away and like takes things out of the room or he like leaves, she steals the evidence. And then there, we're back in the brownstone, not the brown house. We're back <laughs> in the brownstone and Denzel is using his cool technology on the Y2K computer, I think, to compare victims. And Eddie is there. And Queen Latifah, of course, is there, and she tells Eddie to stay right, which I liked. And Howie ends up kind of incorrectly going off um, after a wrong, after someone who he thinks is the perp but isn't because he got the wrong fingerprints or something was contaminated, but it wasn't Angelina Jolie's fingerprints. So he's like, we found who it was, and they cut to a scene where they find a guy under a car, and they're like, okay, this is the perp, or he's under a taxi. And then he comes out, or they pull him out and he's dead. So he, the bone collector planted that fingerprint. He cut off this oh. taxi driver's finger because he's dead, which like he's bone dead. collector killed him. The movie doesn't do a great job, but there it is this fingerprint a of a taxi driver. And they're like, oh, this is, you know, that's the connection is this taxi driver. Right. And it is a taxi driver, but, but it's not the, the bone collector seemingly has killed him, cut off his finger, placed... Correct. The, that fingerprint at the crime scene and okay, then that's smarter than I thought replaced him under the taxi in this, like he's doing work under the taxi as if that's what yes. he's doing yes and, and then they I don't know if you, yeah if you noticed that like he doesn't have a leg when they do that like no I didn't notice it's that. just like a bad like they, his his jean is so flat when they pull it out it's just kind of like deflated oh my god so I was like oh did they cut off his legs but no I think it's just his finger so yeah that's that scene it's very quick it all it, it moves around with, like it's fast Yes, so, and yeah. Ryan and Amelia are then together talking about, like, how Dick Cheney sucks. Yeah. And Amelia says, the man is a living monument to ineptitude, mm -hmm. which That's I a liked. good line. Yeah, it was a good line. And then they have this weird moment. They have a weird moment. It's very strange. So she's bent over his bed, uh -huh. um, and she's got the evidence uh -huh. that she stole. Yeah. And I, I don't know if she like drops some of it. It's like but a it tiny piece of him. paper on his on his sheet over him. Yes. And so they're having this weird moment where she's trying to smell some evidence. So she has to get really close to him. And mm -hmm. then he's like seemingly enjoying this like encounter. It's sexual. It's, it's like a sexual, sexual tension moment. And he, she's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, you can take your time. Uh-huh. And then you hear him or then you see him like smelling it. And she like pulls it up to his nose. And they're like, Almost look like they could kiss. It's our first clunky introduction of, oh, wait, maybe they're attracted to each other. Right. Which at first I was more like, maybe he's like her dad figure because she lost her dad. And then here it's like, no, they're, they like want to have sex. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really like it. I don't like it. It's weird. Because they don't do that until this scene. They don't give no. us, they don't properly set up the tension between them in that way. You're right. Like it's more mentor, father, daughter. Yeah. And then it randomly seemingly randomly get sexual so 
Then he has another seizure. And during this time, like after, you know, when he's out for a bit, Queen Latifah tells Angelina that he's planning to off himself. Um, Is that how she says it? Yeah. She's like, I'm, I think, unless I wrote the notes down this way. Um, But she's like, he's going to off himself. Like he has this assisted, maybe that's my notes. Um, It's probably my notes. (laughs) He doesn't say it. She doesn't say it that insensitively. (laughs) Alina does. (laughs) I do, apparently. My only note during this time, which is apparently where I was at in this movie, is I love their outfits. Angie and uh, Queen Latifah. And they are almost wearing matching sweaters. Their sweaters look very similar. They're like neutral, cozy. It's very of the times. They're wearing cozy pants and cozy sweaters. And I like I really like them as a duo. Me too. They had a nice rapport. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it really started to build at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like you were supposed to feel their Yeah, you can feel their like friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So... At this point, Chaney shows up outside the door because he wants to come in and he wants, you know, he wants um, Denzel off the case. I think at this point, he's probably still kind of coming, um, coming back from his seizure and like not having a good time and it's not a good time for him to come in. So um, Latifah is not having his shit. She like goes outside and she's like, what do you want? And he calls her lady <laughs> and... Says she's obstructing justice. And she says, don't you lady me? Which I thought was like one of the best lines of the movie. So he wants to get in, but she says, no, Rhyme is sleeping and he will have to come back with a warrant. So we are finally near the end of the movie now. I promise. Yeah. And we'll just kind of breeze through this part. So the next victims that we get introduced to, and they are the last victims, are a cute little girl walking through Grand Central. Unfortunately, I'm not going to let you breeze through this because that is Zena Day. And she is from Snow Day. What's that? You've never seen Snow Day? I've never seen Snow Day. Snow Day? What is it? Oh my God, we're watching Snow Day. What is it? It's a reckless... You have to watch this movie. It's is about it from, a snow day. Is it from the 90s? Probably early 2000s. Okay. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she's like about that age. So she's like having a snow day. It's just... It's so good. She's also from Max Keeble's Big Move. And of course, Law & Order SVU. My... Oh my gosh, that's how. Yeah. So I love her. She's beautiful. Okay um she was adorable she's a great yeah cute little kid and she's grown up to be like such she's super gorgeous but she looks like we are talking about snow day after this okay snow day it's on my list now um so she's walking through grand central with her grandfather i think Mm -hmm. um and i noted that she's talking to him and saying she couldn't find something that was right in her lap all along and so i noticed that because i felt like it was foreshadowing of like we're gonna find the the killer and he'll have been in our lap all along like if, i felt like why what else would i keep doing that? that when ha, i'm ha, like ha. yeah i got like that's my we're gonna have to cut that out it. it's bad um <laughs> uh but now we can tell she's the new victim because we see the the grandfather and the little girl get into the hangman taxi so we know now that this is the bone collector's taxi um and that he has of course not yet been caught um, so this is a very, very freaky scene where, um, police officer, a police officer comes up to the cab and pulls the guy over oh, because yeah. his I hate meter scene. wasn't on. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, basically saying like, Hey, like I'm, this is why I'm pulling you over. And the guy, you can see the little girl in the back is like so scared and he shoots the guy like yeah. through the chest or neck I and hate you this see scene. it come really out horrible. his back. He like pulls him over into the window. Yes. Of the cab. Oh God, I it's awful. It. And, um, the little girl screams and I just felt horrible for her. Same. Um, and then I thought to myself, okay, the little girl will be the one to survive for sure. Like they're setting it up. I hope for that. So I want, didn't want to be disappointed there. 
this is where Denzel slash Rhyme has his Y2K computer up and mm-hmm. he has like three different pieces of paper at this point, I think, from the different crimes. He's trying to put them together and like figure out what they what they are and Queen Latifah actually figures it out. And so now we realize that her puzzle puzzle. Oh, that's skills, where it's coming in. They come into handy here. Um, and then she realizes it's a woman's face, yep. um, oh, which yes, is like this, this old now. publisher's logo that Denzel knows from like 1920. Cause he just seems yeah. to have like an endless, endless knowledge. Of I don't things. think we talked just really quick. His like, they have these, a couple of scenes of him kind of running through a Rolodex in his head. Of, yes. He's like a, in his brain, Google, like, yes. 1994 murder, blah, blah, blah. Like, we have a couple scenes of that. It's bad editing. It's kind of like an mm-hmm. attempt to show us he has all this knowledge in his brain and he can call it up at any time. Yes. So here's where we're reaching kind of like the climax of the film. Um, Angelina is off because now she's she's off to find an old book in a creepy bookstore that mm-hmm. will ultimately hopefully have the clue that they need that will lead them to the little girl and the grandpa. Um, and then there's this, like, red herring creepy dude with blue eyes. He's totally red herring. At the bookstore you're supposed to think it's maybe him who tells her where to go find the crime books and you're like okay i don't think it's him but it's probably they're trying to make us think that so she's reaching like up into the mystery section she sees a book called the bone collector that falls off the shelf and it has pictures of all of her evidence clusters Mm -hmm. um so she's like as as she flips each page the music's getting louder yeah you see rats um you see you the s- big bolt yes you see yeah. the bolt you see all these things you're like oh okay like this is all coming together kind of you can see all the different clues that he's kind of placed throughout these murders and then she sees like what's supposed to be kind of like the next scene which is um at the brooklyn bridge or it's a bridge in the in the book on the page and she takes that to mean that our little girl and grandpa are there and so now we're transported to the Brooklyn Bridge with helicopters, and it seems like they all got there really fast. Yeah, again, this is so clunky. I think they themselves have been like, oop, this movie's too long, yeah, and we, we need, need to wrap to, it up. We need to wrap it up, yeah. And I'm like, yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so the grandpa and the little girl are attached to a pier. It's like they're, like, connected to a pier. It's horrible. In the water. They're drowning, we're back almost in like drowning. A, yeah, it's ugh. It's really sad. It's stressful. Um, so yeah, you see that like just their head, just is, their above head. A wa- is above water. And then suddenly Angelina is in the water mm-hmm. um, she's jumping right in. and she's like helping them keep their heads above water. And then you can see that she somehow pulls them out and like ESU is working on them, which ESU, I don't know, is emergency services. I don't know what it Unit, stands for. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's what they say. Um, and I noted that Angelina looks weirdly good and kind of dry for having just been in the Hudson river. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I imagine that would have been very cold as well. Yeah. And she says, looks like we're a little too late. And we see that the old man is gone and he's dead, which made me very sad. Well, they say, ESU says, forget it, he's dead. Yeah. Which is so... They were so rude about it. You're right. And they just kind of toss him aside. And I was like, what the hell? I was like looking forward to him potentially also being alive. It's just a little insensitive to treat this. And they're like, don't even worry about him. He's gone. Yeah. But they're still working on the little girl. And... She's alive. She's alive. They at first say that like they think there's probably going to be problems and she's not going to make it, but then she's alive. And of course, Angie is on the phone with Denzel at this point. And so she's keeping him posted as she always does. <laughs> um, now he wants her to go find some final clues. Um, you got to find the cluster. Yeah, you got to find the cluster. You got to go find the evidence. So he sends her to some fuel tanks. Um, there's time initial or there's initials engraved on a piece of metal. There's a bone. There's a map. I'm sick of the clues, so I'm not going to say them all. And in the map, they're looking for an old station, um, like a train station at the tip of Manhattan, which is called the Navy Street Tunnel. 
I noted that chain of evidence voucher keeps getting thrown around. I don't know what it means. It's like, it, I think it was said by Dick Cheney to Angelina earlier on, or she said like, do you have an, a chain of evidence voucher? Like something that they need and they keep bringing it up again. So I just noted that I don't know what that means. I think, I mean, it definitely has to do with her taking this, like Lincoln's role as a mm. crime scene investigator because it's to ensure that the evidence isn't compromised. I'm assuming this is what they're. I don't. I don't know the exact like. I can what's tell entailed. that you have like a. I've watched Law and Order SVU law and one order. million yes, times for sure. Every because episode. All this stuff to me, I'm like, I have no idea what that means, and I feel like this is your specialty. Uh, fake, yeah, police stuff. <laughs> but it makes it very useful though. Mm-hmm. So, Dick Cheney, the douche, he's yelling at Denzel again. He says some things that are very yeah. offensive here that we won't even bring up. And he says that he wants to lock Amelia up, but she's already inside the Navy Street Tunnel. Um, She's already kind of like on her way. So we know he's not going to be able to stop her at this point. There's footprints. She doesn't have any reception to talk to Rhyme. So we're like, okay, she's alone. She doesn't have any backup. Um, And that's scary because I wouldn't want to be in that position. Then she does start to find more clusters of evidence. um, And she finds some numbers and they are 78499. And you have this kind of like montage here. She does the Rolodex brain. Yes. Where she's like, do, 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 what do, do, do I know do, this do. from? Yeah. What do I know this from? And you see her like looking all yeah. over the place in her mind. And then she sees that it's Rhyme's badge number. It all comes um, together. And it comes back to, to Rhyme. And we realize he's going to kill Rhyme. Mm-hmm. Like this is the next, the bone you know, and I think she even says Rhyme is the next victim. Yeah. Being really obvious. Here. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to kill Rhyme. Because she has no reception, she can't call him. Right. So we get moved back to the brownstone. And... Someone's at the door. Queen Latifah answers the door. And if you will remember or if you will recall, there was a guy at the beginning of um, the movie whose name was Richard. And he was the dear friend of Denzel Washington's character, Lincoln Rhyme. And it's him. And he stabs Queen Latifah with a knife. Her face doesn't look quite upset enough when she gets stabbed. (laughs) I don't remember this, but I, yeah, was very upset that the doctor, I mean, this is where we're finding out. Yes. This is who. This is where we're finding this out. And I I wish I had remembered to mention this, but there was only one other time that he came back. You you could tell that he came back from his trip Mm -hmm. um, because he actually came into the room with them at one point. And he was just like very weird. Like he came in and he said like one or two lines. And then I like turned to Michael at the time and was like, is it him? That's what John said. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was maybe like 20 or 30 minutes before this that I wondered if it was him because I was like, okay, he's a medical guy. And yeah, you had that thought about the scalpel. Yeah. And then it was like, and he it just, just seemed too obvious. He was line. too weird. He was too weird. He was like creepy. I mean, the first scene that he's in, he's not creepy. He's the doctor that's going to help him with his assisted suicide. And so you think, oh, he's a bleeding heart. He like has compassion right. for our protagonist. And then he has that weird comeback where he's just very strange. And that was the moment that John was like, oh, it's him. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Because this it was. is John's first time watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely was him. So we are still confused as to why because that's what's like suspenseful you think it's gonna be dick slash howard him but actually he's dead on the floor yeah so they show this one quick scene of dick slash howard arriving at lincoln's brownstone Mm -hmm. and walking up kind of angrily yep and so when the when there's the knock on the door that's who you think it's gonna be that and they don't show who stabbed queen latifah yet so you think it's 
Yes. Dick slash Howard. And yep. then when Queen Latifah falls, they sh- they pan down to the floor. He's already and, dead. And Howard slash Dick is actually already dead. Yes. Richard has killed them both now. So we now know for sure that they were trying to get us to think. Yeah. So there was Dick a little moment of them. like, oh, it's going to be him. And you're like, ah, okay. Yeah. And then it's not. Yes. It's Richard. So it's Richard. He comes in with his gross blue eyes. And you're like, all of this makes sense. Um, and he kind of like comes around the kitchen and you hear Denzel slash Ryan like, you know, he's like waking up and he's like, Thelma, is that you? Is that you? And you're like, oh no, it's not. Yeah, it's this not. is really suspenseful. It's really It's scary. not Thelma. And then he like comes around the corner and they kind of have this like showdown mm-hmm. where he's like, Richard, what are you doing here? And he's starting to process it and put it together, of course, but he like doesn't, he realizes like this guy has he looks the upper at the hand. Boot. He's like, that boot <laughs> is the boot. Yes. He like from the crime scenes or something. Yeah. So it was something he saw the shoes and then mm-hmm. he made the connection. Um, and then I guess it was the size of the shoes or yeah. something. I he's, don't know. He's great. He's at just this. so smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so he's kind of having this like stalling technique where he's like talking to him and trying to like probably figure out how he's going to get out of this. Cause of course, like it's not going to be easy for him to get out of this situation. And so, um, this is sort of where Richard just kind of goes straight into like, do you remember Syracuse? Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. Syracuse. I'm, I'm right. I'm by right from, from Syracuse. upstate New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, remember the forensic cop, like Marcus Andrews that like you wrote a, a story about or like a book about or something, an article. Mm-hmm. Um, and you destroyed his life because like he had to go, he was a cop that like got accused of like planting false evidence and, that was completely unfair because it wasn't true. And because of your article, like this guy got sent to prison for six years. And then that's when Denzel's like kind of talking about him as if it's not him. And then he's like, wait, you're Marcus. Yeah. You are this guy. Richard is Marcus. Richard is the cop that planted evidence. Yes. So then we have a scene where they get into an entanglement of like fighting Mm -hmm. and Marcus or Richard, Marcus slash Richard. Slash the bone collector. Slash the bone collector. Breaks his finger. It is awful. He breaks his like whole hand. And it's the one that was like using. Oh, Denzel's. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Denzel's. He um, breaks his finger that he could use. So Denzel has only been able to use his one one finger finger to uh, use the computer. The Y2K computer. Yeah. Yeah. So. Horrible. He's like yelling, you failed, you fuck. Mm -hmm. Like he's just saying the craziest things. Um, he goes, I win, Mr. Rhyme. I win, you lose. This is like a, again, very clunky, like, we've yes. got a crazy person here. And now he's basically talking about how he's going to become a this vegetable. This is horrible. This is horrible. I and hate he's this just part. naming vegetables. Do you want to be a carrot? Do you want to be a zucchini? Do you want to be a zucchini? You want to be a zucchini? 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 He says it a million like, times. Oh. This is not what you think it is. This is bad. And yes. He and says it so many times. So many times. So not only is it like super insensitive, insensitive but it's also ridiculous. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. And then, so Denzel does pull this really good, oh, like yes. thoughtful trick where um, when he's like leaning over him, he gets his, he somehow gets his hand stuck in the back of the bed and he pulls it down so mm-hmm. that it'll break his hand. Yep. And then. Break Richard slash yeah, Marcus's hand. It's really, it, it's so gross. And I did feel like the blood looked like ketchup. Like it did Yeah. It very, smashes very his bad. hand and it's like, yeah, it's very of the time. And then did he, did Richard then headbutt him? Like they do something where they like, I mean, again, this is just like such a quick, like doesn't really make sense, but they are, they're now on the floor in this fight scene. Yeah. 
and Richard is like flailing with his ketchup hand. Yeah, he's really screaming. He can't really get up. And he says, do you want to play? Or like something <laughs> creepy like that. Uh-huh. And so then he kind of like clambers over um, Denzel with like what looks like a butter knife, but it's sharper than that. It's like, like that scalpel. same scalpel that he's been using. Um, and Rhyme starts whispering mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, what is going doing? on? What's yeah. he doing? And so of course, Richard's like, what are you saying? I guess. Yeah, he's like, what? Um, what? and he gets close to ask what, and then Rhyme bites his neck off basically, <laughs> like just attacks, attacks his, his jugular. He's like, yes, bites it as hard as he can. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, but then Richard has a bigger knife. He mm-hmm. somehow found a bigger knife. Yeah. <laughs> and so he stands up, even though his like neck's all disgusting. Um, and he's about to strike him. Yep. But our girl, Angie, shoots him in the back four times. Four times. Four times. Okay. Um, and then we see the falcon. Yeah. Uh, like yowling. <laughs> yowling. Yeah. It was making noise. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it. It's yowling. Um, almost like a cat. And then I'm like, okay, is Rhyme dead? We don't know. Okay. Well, what was so scary is when she shot him. I think, I can't remember if he was kneeling or if he was standing, but the way that he fell, he was going to fall with the knife on top, on top of Rhyme. Of oh, you're right. Which yeah. would have been horrible, but he didn't. But he didn't. No. And then it doesn't end yet. No. It's just sort of, of the not. end of the scene. Mm-hmm. And then we realize that when the next scene gets introduced, it is now Christmas time. It's Christmas. We're at a Christmas party. We're at a Christmas party with a beautiful tree. Um, and In Rhyme's house. Rhyme. It's in his house. And he is in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And Angelina is in a black spaghetti strap dress. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, that's so, such a classic. And it's gorgeous. She it's looks amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. And she just, her face is just pristine. She is stunning. Um, and they're in front of this decorated tree and all their cop friends are there. So it's like, okay, this is a happy ending, of course. And then I think his niece and his sister show up. Yeah, um, who they were mentioned niece. like super briefly super long that he didn't ago, have yeah. any sort of relationship with them. He cut everyone off. Yes, he cut everyone off after his accident. Um, so they show up and it's like this big surprise. And then you find out that like Amelia knows about it. She like arranged it. She arranged it so that, and she was like, oh, I've already met them. Mm-hmm. And so we talked on the moment. phone. And then Denzel looks at Ange slash Amelia and she looks at him and it's very sexual. It is. They, they're having a moment. It looks like they're together now. They're right? together. Yeah. Like, okay. They're together. Um, I think that's what we're supposed to assume. Yes. They never have any actual like. No, they never intimate, kiss. Yeah. They don't kiss. They don't really, really even like hold hands. There's, there's not a lot. They just, you just know. Yeah. Um, she also has tears in her eyes. And then. Yeah. A very 90s song plays as they zoom out from the city and you get to see the Eiffel Tower with its Christmas colors. The Eiffel Tower? Not the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Did I write that? The Empire State Building, you guys. We're not in Paris. We went to Paris real quick. We went, yeah. The Eiffel Tower also probably at this time of year was green and red, but that's not what I meant. Thank you. I meant the Empire State Building. It's Christmas colors at the top. Um, and then I was like, are those the Twin Towers? Like I felt like, oh. and I was remembering 1999. Mm-hmm. They would have still been around. Yeah. And that is the end of our That is movie. the Bone Collector. That's the Bone Collector. Okay. So what did you think? Overall. Overall. Did you agree with the Rotten Tomatoes rating? Okay. So yes and no. I did not think the movie was good. Correct. Um, or agreed. I thought it had like some kind of like interesting parts to it where I kind of liked the... Um, the phone call, like them being on the phone together while he's like stationary in one spot and yeah. she's like his eyes and ears. Like, Agreed. Thought, that was like an interesting sort of right. different. We haven't seen that before. 
So I thought that that part was really interesting. Um, there were a few scenes like that were very suspenseful, like the um, early on the rich couple yeah, in the, the taxi cab. in the in the back. Yeah, Horrible. and there were some moments like that, and overall it was like very '90s and nostalgic to watch. But no, it was not a good movie. Um, the pacing was really wrong. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was very like Super sometimes clunk- too slow. I said clunky a million times, but that's really how it I really feel was about clunky. It. Yeah. yeah, it was like sometimes too slow for probably the first two. Yep. That's how I felt like too. two thirds of the movie. And then the last third was so sped up and too quick. Yeah. Nothing is explained. Everything's kind of cobbled together. And you could tell like it's based on a book. So they're trying to get everything in and mm-hmm. all three murders. But I think overall between the pacing being bad and the dialogue being bad, uh, not necessarily the dialogue, but like the storyline of the relationships between like Angelina's character and Denzel's character, that was a bit off. And they just moved through it, like you said, too clunkily. And, um, there's obviously some problems with the kind of sensitivity of the like of the representation of Denzel's character. And the only other thing I want to mention is that I don't love, and we're going to bring up the word trope again, but I don't love the like 90s trope of kind of trying to show that they're moving into a place of giving the female lead more power mm-hmm. um, and making her like an independent woman. But then throughout the story she's constantly being told what to do by men yeah. and being like she's she's the men she's the mentee and she's she's not really in control and at the end you know she's kind of finally gotten um kind of a sense of her own I guess like needs and what she really wants and I guess I just felt like they tried too hard to make it the movie where she was doing that but then throughout there were sexism there was sexism like abounds yeah that was my takeaway as well for sure I yeah, had the same so what thoughts. did you think I had the same thoughts. I mean, I I watched this at a young age when I thought it was brilliant. And yeah, it makes sense. I would have too. I watched it. I've seen it a few times now. So I, I must have watched it again when I was maybe a teenager or in college and had a bit more critical thinking skills and was like, huh, this is not that great. Um, and I had seen a ton more movies, I guess, by that point, like in the genre yeah. to have that context and comparison. So for me, it does have the nostalgia factor. So when I watch it, I'm like, oh my God, I remember thinking this was like the height of thrillers and I was scared and sort of thing. So I have that, which I mean, obviously that's the point we're going back and forth on. I have that versus like, you haven't seen this before. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're watching it in 2022. For sure. (laughs) Like this is different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have some fun. Well, I don't know if they're going to be fun, but I've got some, some facts that I want to tell you about the movie. Okay, great. So there was an alternative ending that was shot, which we love, like, you know, yes, an alternative course, ending. Dead and calm. Thelma was going to survive and be <gasps> at the Christmas party. Oh, my God. I would have actually loved that. Same. It was deemed too unbelievable because she was stabbed. Okay. So. I mean, unless they tried to make her get stabbed in, like, a different place. Yeah. But they didn't It was pretty. That. Okay. But yeah. she was pretty dead. It was pretty clear that she was dead. Yeah. So that got cut. Um, there was apparently a goof. I don't recall seeing this. I tried to rewind and I got annoyed at Peacock. Um, but Amelia spent several minutes in the waters of New York Harbor at 35, an hour and 35. Oh, you said it an hour and 35 minutes when she gets out of the water from the kids and you're like, she looks pretty dry. Oh yeah. She looked very dry. Yeah. She's perfectly dry. Apparently. Ah, after she, she rescues either sweaty or completely dry. So that's a big mistake. That is a huge mistake. She was just submerged in the water saving them and then she's dry that's bad yes okay i'm glad that it wasn't just me because i was like she looks very dry or like maybe she sweat a little bit but not like she was in the hudson river yeah so that was a goof um 
Philip Noyes is not a big fan of his work in this film. Wow. Um, so at, this is what's reported, at least. This is from what I read. So okay. this was in the wake of Seven, which came out in 1995, which is an uh, incredible tough act, movie. Tough act to yeah. follow. So every studio wanted a copycat serial killer mm-hmm. film. And uh, Philip Noyes felt that like he was just part of an assembly line by signing on to this film. And he knew that it wouldn't be able to match David Fincher's achievement with Seven. So I did, with that context, don't you totally feel totally. like they tried to do the, the clusters of like the clues and make things work and yeah. and like have all these kind of like larger, more evil serial killer with this like over the top plan through a book kind of connection. And it didn't work. Yeah, it was like they had all the ingredients, but they like put them together yep. clumsily. Yeah, because that's how that's how Philip Noyce felt. Okay. Well, I agree with him about his movie. I do too. And then um, in 2019, so closer to present day, NBC uh, announced that they were going to have a pilot based on the Bone Collector novel um, called Lincoln Rhyme Hunt for the Bone Collector. So it premiered on January 10th in 2020. The pilot episode was released early um ahead of its network debut and the series was canceled after one season wow (laughs) on june 10th it's interesting that it was successful enough to even get that i know like kickoff yeah oh and then this is not about the movie but when i was i was you know looking up a ton of stuff about the bone collector and when i originally looked on twitter and searched bone the bone collector i kept finding references to like so-and-so is the bone collector of the season of the real housewives of whatever and i'm a huge housewives fan and yes, I had never are. heard, I had never heard that. I was like, what is the, what do you mean? Like a taxi driver murder? What does that mean? Yeah. Like revenge? What is this? So I looked up bone collector, like urban dictionary. Okay. Like, how are we referencing this now? So bone collector, the definition, someone who collects everyone's secrets and tells them to everyone, despite the repercussions. See also messy. Interesting. I love it. Wow. <laughs> so it's in the cultural zeitgeist today. Yes, that, it reminds uh, me of like Gretchen Wieners from Mean Girls. Like she would be yeah. a bone collector. Yeah, I think that's who a bone collector is. So I don't know how I had never seen that previously, or maybe I did, but now that we're I've just never like heard talking that. about this movie. But I also don't watch The Real Housewives, so. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, now that I have that phrase and know that it, what it means, I'm going to be using it. Yes, I'll just it. be calling everyone who's. A bone collector. Yeah, like dishing out the tea. Yeah, messy. Collector. Oh, we didn't talk about, it was kind of a controversial role for Denzel to take at that time because he was at the height of his like physical appearance yes. and health. Yes. And so there was some concern or just at least like it was a strange role for him to take because he wouldn't be doing any, you know, physical, physical acting. It would right. just be his face up. And they did talk about, I looked online, they talked about how they filmed those scenes with him very differently than normally movies were shot because there's a lot of like marking where characters are moving around. And that's like a lot of the interesting point of the scene and so when someone is, has a spinal injury like that and, and is uh, either quadriplegic or, or paralyzed in some sort of way, you wouldn't be moving around like when you're talking to them. You would be... Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of sedentary in one place, like looking at them so that they wouldn't have to be like, moving around. Yeah. So they had, had to figure out how to shoot space. those scenes. Yeah. And he talked to Christopher Reeve, um, which I found interesting that he was, you know, attempting to get some insight into to how he may need to like act yeah (laughs) do some research so that was that was interesting as well because there was some like just discussion around like was this the right role for Denzel since he was so insanely like he he was doing a lot of physical acting at that time so interesting role for him to take yes so those are my 
you know, after the fact, facts. <laughs> after the <laughs> fact, fact. We hope that was thrilling. We hope you were thrilled. We hope you were thrilled. Uh, we were thrilled. I was thrilled that you decided to watch this movie that I suggested. And I was thrilled and also not that you I know. had I me, really <laughs> that this was my very first retelling of a of This a movie. was not fair. I needed to, in order for it to be fair, I needed to give you a movie that had three characters like that Calm did <laughs> and like two scenes. Uh, and I did it's not. It's only going going to go uphill from here. Okay. So that's how I feel is like you gave me the hardest one, but from here it'll oh God. just get easier. <laughs> I hope so. And with that... Yeah, what movie am I watching? So next week, mm-hmm. we will be back uh, with a retelling of Single White Female. Oh my gosh. So that's what you're going to be assigned to watch. Okay. And for those of you that listened to the first episode, you might remember that at the end, Laura and I were talking about Single White Female. I had asked her, you know, back when I recommended the, recommended this movie to you, maybe a couple of years ago, um, did you actually start watching it or did you watch it? And she was like, I got maybe 20 minutes in. Yeah, I watched 20 minutes. Which is a classic Laura It I move. watched 20 if minutes of every movie. Yeah. Thriller, she and moved. then I just turn on Law and Order SVU. Yes, because it's like a comfort thing. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, that's what I'm in the mood for. So um, we will see what you think about that movie. And hopefully your mom will want to listen because she <laughs> is also a fan of Single White Female. Yes, my mom is definitely going to want to listen. And Single White Female came out in 1992. So we are totally jumping just around. Just jumping back and forth. That, but I'm excited to uh, to hear from you around what was popular in 1992. I'm excited to share. And to finally watch this movie. I am scared because I know this one is going to be one where the dog dies. Yes, I'm so sorry that that's I gave my you that penance. spoiler. That's, my, that's what I deserve. Yes, you <laughs> after, deserve this. <laughs> after making you watch or cover a very difficult movie to cover for your first uh, thrill. I will say that I'm very excited to have you retell this movie. I have a feeling that it's going to be very oh my humorous gosh. because oh. it is quite like a humorous movie in the worst ways. Is there something where like she gets a haircut and yes. then the girl gets... Okay. Yes, there's like a copycat type of like uh-huh. kind of female relationship in this movie, and she does get a haircut. Not the main character, but we won't go into Okay, it. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for the next episode. Yes, we'll talk okay. about all this next time. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, uh, whether or not you actually watched The Bone Collector. If you didn't, you don't really need to. No, because we covered we it We just for covered you. every detail with you, basically. Yeah. But we'll see you next time for Single White Female. Can't wait for Laura to watch it. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.